All right, folks, this is the Punk Rock Barbershop. Black artists talking about their white influences. A podcast so unique it might be offensive. A complex conversation around a simple topic. The most engaging podcast ever created. As always, I am your host, Michael Robertson Reed. We are coming to you from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, also known as Marion Anderson City. And uh, we have, uh, you know, I always say that we have a special guest today, but, you know, all of the guests are special. So you're you're very special. Special guest, can you tell us who you are? Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Brian Allen. Uh, I'm from Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, I work in the Philadelphia area um, for uh, Starfinder. Uh, and I also do a couple other things, modeling, acting, and I work in the entertainment industry as well. And can you tell people what uh, Starfinder is? Because it, Starfinder, s- since you are talking about, uh, you know, and you're going to talk about, uh, you know, the fact that you work for a creative enterprise and you're an actor and a model, Starfinder sounds like it would be like a talent agency, <laughs> it but it's actually not. Yeah. What, what is Starfinder? I, I've actually had people ask me that, like, are you are you finding local talent? Or right. Something yeah. Like yeah. That? It's, it's like an offshoot of Star Search or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we are a uh, youth-based development uh, nonprofit in Maniunk uh, that specializes in youth-based development through sport, uh, specifically soccer. So uh, we work with kids in the uh, Philadelphia School District, um, usually between middle school and high school ages, um, where we have different programs and leagues, uh, showcases, uh you name it, um, where we uh, obviously help to give them uh, good opportunities and, um, you know, become better model citizens at the same time while becoming better athletes. So Yeah, excellent, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, yeah, so we can, um, so, so we can dive right in. Well, so I'm, so I'm curious, um, you know, so for, for people that don't know, like we've kind of sort of known each other. I guess I guess we met in like end of July, beginning of August. Yeah, yeah. That's when we first met. Yeah, about so, five, six months ago. Yeah, about like five or six months about. ago. Um, and we were kind of sort of working together because your work through for Starfinder is sort of uh, it's done in conjunction with Up to Us Sports, which right. is where I was working, but I'm no longer working there. So so we saw each other for like a total of like four or five days which was spread out over like three weeks (laughs) and then i mysteriously like vanished from up to us sports and i'm sure like you you know tuan uh, either sent you guys an email or like said at a pd session like oh yeah mike's no longer here and i'm sure people were like either who's mike or oh that's weird like he was here and now he's gone yeah yeah (laughs) everyone everyone was thrown off guard yeah yeah i was thrown off guard by it too so yeah yeah, it was (laughs) Yeah, it's it was uh, it was definitely surprising. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very surprising. <laughs> so, so we, so we, uh, like we know each other a little bit. You know, we talked, uh, we had some good conversations back in August, and then since then we've been chatting uh, over email. So, so, um, so I kind of know when we first met. You had mentioned that you do some modeling and you do some acting, and so then that's when I was like, oh, like I'm, you know. I'm starting this podcast, so I want to have you on board. So, uh, c- can you tell people uh, what it like? 
what is some of the acting and modeling work that you've done thus far? Yeah, so I've been doing this for a solid year now. Um, it actually started uh, in 2017, the summer of 2017, when I went to New York to audit uh, an acting class. Okay. It was an improv class. Um, at, I believe his name was Alan Gordon. It was okay. the Alan Gordon Studios. Um, not sure what street it was on. New York is so big. Sure, yeah. I mean, um, in, in any nerd. And yeah. Don't get offended, people, when I say nerds, because I'm a nerd too. So yeah, any any human being listening to this can uh, can Google Alan Gordon Studio and you know yeah. figure out. Was it in Manhattan? It was. Okay. All right. It was. So, so we got so we got that we got the borough. We were in down. we were in New York. We okay. Were, we were right there. Um, so it was a class maybe of eight ten people eight to ten. Uh, went with one of my friends who was in the class and it was so intense. Like there's, you know, you had to get into characters. There's a lot of emotion. There's just a lot of technique mm -hmm. that I had never even realized went into it. And I was like, wow, like I, I could see myself doing this. And I, you know, I talked to him about it and I was telling him I, I at the time I had no experience and, you know, I wanted to learn more and stuff, kept in contact a little bit and. You know, obviously, I wasn't making the commute to New York from yeah. Reading, so um, you know, I, I took what I what I could from him in terms of insight and things like that, and um, kind of that kind of started it. So um, I've done a few uh, modeling, um, I guess gigs, you could say. I do freelance work. Okay. So you know, as long as it pays. So <laughs> to so, how, so how does that work? I mean, like, do you like reach out to people and say like? I want to model or like, so I, yeah. I, I literally know nothing about the world of modeling. So I'm like, do people have agents? Like, do you, uh, yeah. How, so, how does that work? So I personally don't want an agent, um, okay. especially considering I have a, a degree in sport and entertainment management. I feel like I, I'm knowledgeable enough sure, in terms yeah. of just being able to speak up for myself mm -hmm. and knowing things, if there's yeah. anything contractual or thing like that. But um, yeah, so I mean, as a freelance model, um, you know, it, it could be anything from people reaching out to you through Instagram or um, you reaching out to them, photographers that okay. are looking yeah. for work. Um, also, there's a lot of people that have their own design companies, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's shirts, yeah. hats, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you name it. So, you know, they're looking for people yeah. to really post on right. their page. So, you know, when you find that, sometimes you reach out or they might reach out to you mm -hmm. if they like your content. Um I usually like to, you know, go to people who have good content that yeah. are putting up, you know, something not negative. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, Instagram, um, obviously, you know, if you're if you're new to modeling, um, one thing I would suggest is going to like film dot org or, or mm. something like that where you can might maybe find some um some work locally in the Philly area. Um so yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, there's backstage things like that. Yeah. That's where a lot of uh, actors go as well. To okay, find so backstage is, is still used as a publication. The backstage, yeah. Because oh, uh, I don't, you know, I'm not on there too much because okay. I, I feel like with the social media age, there's just so much you can find. Yeah. Quickly without having to pay, pay a subscription right, right. every yeah, every cause, month. Because I uh, I don't remember if we talked about this when um uh when we were still working together, but yeah, like I. I studied theater, like that's how I got to Philly. Yeah. You, know, uh, you know, did so. I used to do auditions, like you know, I'd go up to New York, and this is 
this is like 2000 to 2002. So yeah, this is the pre Google era. Um, you know, I, I had an AOL internet account, you know, it's like, so that that's how I did all of my email. And I think there was a search engine through AOL, but yeah, like I used to go to the, uh, yeah, 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 this this is, uh, I, I feel so, so dated, but yeah, there was a, a Barnes and Noble that I used to go to. And whenever the new backstages were out, like every Friday or whatever, like I'd buy my, I like pay my, dollar 25 and like scan it and be like oh you know they need people in you know so (laughs) yeah yeah, so i'm and yeah i mean i just you know yeah since uh since i'm more on the the content generation side than like the you know performance side i'm i i wasn't sure if backstage was still around i think i was in a barnes and noble like three years ago and i saw one and i'm like oh they still have backstage yeah okay yeah but uh another way to just stay in the game is to just keep in contact with those same uh you know, designers, uh, directors, mm-hmm. uh, because they're doing more projects. Yeah. And, you know, as long as, you know, things go well and, you know, it's mutual. Then, right. You know, that can work out as well. And I've done that before. So, and in fact, someone I did a shoot with three months ago, uh, we're planning to do one uh, for the winter, for like the Christmas season uh, within the next couple of weeks. So, nice. You know, staying in contact and keeping those connections and, and using them to your advantage Absolutely. also helps. And, Absolutely. And also doing a good job when you're doing the work for them. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. Um, if you if if you like working with them and they like working with you yeah. and it's a quality product right. and yeah and you're not like a total ass face, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 yeah. It, having a, a a good professional disposition about you exactly certainly helps uh, return yeah r- return engagement exactly. And it's little things like even just being on time mm-hmm. and just making sure you have. You know, uh, you know, the right fitment for your clothes or, yeah. or, or you know, just little things um, which can go a long way in terms of, you know, your professionalism and keeping that, uh, you know, that that level of respect to for the for the, uh, you know, director, uh, photographer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so there's so there's a couple of things I want to uh, one thing I want to say, a couple of questions I have. Uh, so the the first thing is I might have told you this. So when we first met and you told me that you were modeling in my head, I might have said this to you, but I'm like that makes complete sense. I'm like you you are one of the most handsome dudes I've ever seen, and I was I was telling my wife, um, like one when we first met back in August, and and you told me that you were a model then, and then uh, like you know in the past couple of days when you know she's like who like who's coming by today? I'm I'm like yeah I'm like you know it's Brian Brian Allen. And and she kept going like and she kept uh, saying like, is his name Byron or or Brian? And I don't, do you know who Byron Allen is? You're you're a, you're a bit younger I, than me. I don't know who that is. Yeah. No. So uh, so there's a very famous. I don't know if he's famous, but um, he's a pretty big time uh, guy in the world of entertainment. So he is. So he currently owns the Weather Channel. He's he's and he's a he's a black business person. Oh wow! You know, I think I know exactly who that yeah, is. Yeah, he was just he's, on the Breakfast a, Club. Yeah, bald guy. Mm-hmm. He he was talking basically about how the deal went down yeah. in a matter of like hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, he's, yeah. he's taking on Comcast because I I mean he he's really working to build, as far as I understand, like an independent black media conglomerate that can take on you know like the Comcast and the Universals and all of that. When I I knew him back in the day, he used to do stand up comedy and like he had a talk oh. show on like whatever ch- it either came on like CBS at like one thirty in the morning. It was on for thirty minutes, or it came mm-hmm. on whatever like became either the like 
UPN or the CW or something. So like I just knew him as like this kind of what I thought was like an okay com- stand-up comedian. And then I was reading about him and it's like, oh, whoa, like he's like on track to like maybe be a billionaire and he has like this huge media franchise. And then it's like, oh, he owns the Weather Channel. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So his name is is Byron Allen. So Naomi's like, she's like, Byron Allen's coming by. I'm like, if I got <laughs> Byron Allen, that would be a huge catch. <laughs> this is Brian Allen. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like, he's the super handsome guy. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't want to get any hate mail. You know, I know that we, you know, th- we're in an era of not reducing people to their, you know, their physical, you know, you're a human being with a soul and <laughs> compassion and, yeah. you know, you you care about the world and you're a smart, you know, uh, thoughtful person, you know, but yeah, I, you're a super, like, you're one of the most handsome dudes I've ever met, you know. That, I, that's one of the best compliments I've ever gotten. Thank you, that thank you. Myself- confidence has boosted a couple levels too. yeah i mean that, you're yeah you're helps. you're good so yeah you know and you, you have a you, you have a pleasant disposition about you and you're talking very you know intentionally about your craft so you don't seem like a total jerk to work with you don't seem like a jerk oh, at yeah. all like, yeah oh yeah 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 the, the key is to not be a schmuck yeah don't yeah be a schmuck. if you're listening kids don't be a schmuck <laughs> um so have you like uh have you done any stuff with with tuan like with his uh i you know, I know. I feel like he's still maybe trying to figure out like what he wants to do with his like sports fashion intersection. Like, have you guys yes. talked about stuff so, at so all? So we have had conversations. Um, and for ha- for people who don't know, so we're referencing a gentleman named Daytuan Bolden who works at Up to Us Sports, and so yeah, so that's who. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's currently the program director at Up to Us Sports, but he has dreams of some kind of like intersection between like sports and and fashion yeah yeah and i've seen some of his uh product work and i mean it, it looks like really good yeah so like you know obviously he's busy with his other work at up to us yeah. but he's definitely that's definitely a dream of his and we've had conversations about you know potentially maybe doing a collab or something cool. like that and i'd love to do it and i'll probably bring it up to him again when he's not too busy yeah but, yeah um yeah no definitely and like that's kind of back to what I said, just kind of like finding people who like are big on their craft, mm-hmm. big on their work, uh, you know, just really um, just creative minds and stuff like that. Like those are the best people to work with. So Tuan is one of those people. So, yeah, yeah, most definitely. All right, so so this is very cool. So let let's kind of work through your origin story to figure out, you know, how you how you uh, you know wound up in was it alan gordon's uh, acting class studio yeah, yeah acting yeah. studio so 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 let, let's walk through the journey from your your early childhood years as a bright-eyed little kid with big <laughs> dreams to you know you you uh, you and gordo uh, making some some art together so you're you're from the reading area Redding, pa okay. yeah yep. specifically moton but most people don't know where that yeah. is yeah, so no if i is. say reading which is like 10 minutes away okay most people get that. Yeah, 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 and I, I think it's, it's cool that yeah, like you're only like ten minutes away from, from Reading, um, because yeah, like if there was a TV show that I used to watch, and it was, uh, it was a cartoon that like it 
featured stand-up comedians on it. Uh-huh. So this one comedian is telling this joke about how he's he's like he's like, you know, I'm from Chicago and I hate when people are from outside of Chicago and they say they're from outside of Chicago. Yeah. And so he does this whole routine of like, Oh, where are you from? Chicago? Oh, like where in Chicago? Oh, a little suburb just outside of Chicago. Oh, like what suburb? Uh Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's yeah. like So yeah, when people are like, Yeah, I'm you know, I'm I'm from Washington, DC yeah, right. and it's like they're from like central Virginia. It's like, right. no, bro, you're not from DC. Right. That that is an hour and a half. Yeah. That's two hours. Yeah. Um, all right, so you're, so you're you're from outside the the, the Reading area. Um, so for people that don't know, because I don't I don't even know if I've been through Reading honestly. Yeah, like, I mean maybe I've had to go through like on my way to somewhere else. But yeah, I just don't really know anyone yeah. in Reading. I know that there's outlet malls somewhere in the Reading area. So or there used actually, to be. Yeah, they actually closed those down recently. Okay, so uh, those those are gone. Reading is now. If you go towards Penn Avenue, which is like one of the main streets, it's becoming like a good uh, spot for uh, beer lovers. Okay. There's a lot of uh, distilleries, breweries. Nice. Uh, I, I believe a victory is okay. coming there All right. soon. So, you know, it, it's it's a good spot for the, you know, the younger family mm-hmm. oriented people, maybe like between the ages of like 35 and 50 type nice. range. All right. Um, you're, you're definitely speaking my wife's yeah, language. She, yeah. she loves craft breweries. Yeah, yeah, yeah and no. she and she loves like, uh, like uh, drinking. She loves drinking beer in places that like people wouldn't normally associate artisanal beer with. So she went to high school in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which actually has like a very vibrant beer culture. And I was sort of yeah. like, really, you know. And yeah, anyone who's listening to this, and of the seven people that listen to this podcast, if anyone is in Grand Rapids who's offended by what I said. You're, you're not wrong to be offended. I was like, mm, really? But all right. So, so, so the, uh, all right. So it's becoming a kind of known for some, some cool breweries yeah, and it's, distilleries. It's, it's, it's coming back to that point where it's starting to become a, a notable again, at least for some. Yeah. Um, you know, Reading has had its up and ups and downs, sure. yeah. especially in the city, but, um, you know, they're coming back. Yeah. They're, they're finding staples, for themselves, so yeah. I, I think I think it's on the come up. I think it's everything's going in a positive direction yeah. for the city. Um, more people are wanting to live there, mm-hmm. so some mm-hmm. some must be going right. Yeah, so. yeah, you know, I mean, and we're um, and it's funny because yeah, you know, I mean, we're. I don't know your exact age, but I I would imagine you're a few years younger than me. I'm I'm forty. I'll be forty one in a month. Yeah, I turned twenty five in August. Okay, so. uh, when in August? August eighteenth. Nice, nice. Yeah. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. You know, Thank four you. months <laughs> after the fact. Well, I guess I haven't seen you yeah. since that point in time because PD, or not PD, C- uh, training yeah, CTI. ended probably about like a week and a half before. That's right. Yeah, right? it was like early August. Yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. Nice. Me, so. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and like it's, it's funny for me because I, yeah, I graduated high school in 96 and this was still in the period before cities were going through the developments that they're going through now. So, you know, like I remember coming to Philly and people being like, oh, you should have seen Philly in the 60s. Like that was the golden time, you know, or, um, you know, my grandmother, who's now passed away. I mean, she was born in 1923 and spent the first 50 years of her life in Chicago. So like and like, yeah, my dad grew up in Chicago. So 
yeah, like, you know, they used to all, I'm seeing things happening now that like they had talked about, like, oh, you know, there used to be a time where you could walk around the west side of Chicago mm-hmm. and there was like a business on every corner. And so, yeah, it's it's super, super, super interesting uh, to see yeah. the development, you know, which, um, you know, people have very strong opinions about, you know, um, which is all very understandable. But, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's kind of bonkers for for yeah all of that to be happening now. Yeah. Um. So. So, uh, you know, give us a little flavor of what your like what your childhood was like. So, cause, so you were in a suburb of Reading. Yeah. So we and, grew up. And was it like a like a blue collar industrial suburb and like row homes, or was it like lawns and so you know kids playing I don't know so hopscotch in the streets or something? <laughs> well, I, I I'd say I grew up in at least a more upper middle class background mm-hmm. uh we lived in the vineyards uh moton so you know it was you know uh you know i, I was lucky i mm-hmm. was pretty lucky yeah um my dad is a neurosurgeon whoa and then my mom um who uh, actually passed away a few years ago um was a nurse mm. so i i actually come from a very medical background interesting so, um you know that that alone was a lot of pressure mm-hmm. for me um, that not necessarily anyone told me, but sure. I felt or I felt people felt. So, you know, but I, I would have people would be like, oh, you're going to be a doctor or you yeah. know, you, what are you what are you going to be like in terms of which level of doctor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I actually had one high school uh, class where our principal, he filled in as a substitute and we were his biology class and I forget what the question was and he's just like, Oh Brian, you should know this. Your dad's a doctor. And I'm just yeah. like that's that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like that mm-hmm. that's yeah. exactly why I don't want to do right. this. Right. So I think there's always been a little level of rebelliousness in me yeah. just in terms of not being what I personally or subconsciously felt other people wanted me or saw me to be Mm, mm -hmm. so you know yeah you know we grew up upper middle class background um i went to catholic school my whole life Mm, mm -hmm. um literally like from preschool to college (laughs) like yeah it it was my whole life so um you know i understand that um now you know there's a point in my time where i kind of just felt like this was just normal for not necessarily everybody, but just for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just saw the world differently yeah. at one point. So what do you mean by that specifically? Meaning that, like, with my upbringing and stuff, it was so normal and so natural. And, like, you know, being, you know, an African-American, going to a Catholic school for eight years up until uh, eighth grade, and then from ninth to twelfth grade, you know, being one of maybe three, four people in your class mm-hmm. in high school, but maybe like one of one or two in middle school, yeah. junior yeah. high. That was normal. Yeah. But I, I didn't see things literally black and white mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, people's skin color. So um, the the wake up call was later. Yeah. Um, in college mm-hmm. when I personally didn't really know where i fit mm-hmm. yep same with um, me same with me 
And to be honest, even to this day, you still feel it. Yeah, same with me to a certain degree. Yeah, because it's just this thing where it's like, you know, I'm I'm consider myself authentic. Mm-hmm. I consider myself to be true to myself. But I do have times where I, I think subconsciously kind of fall into that shell. Um, I was very quiet, uh, especially in high school and a little bit in college. And I think that had a little something to do with it. I'm still quiet to this, to this day, but um, I think it, it could be as simple as like, you know, you know, uh, you're out with a certain group of friends and, you know, depending on who else is around, you, you're afraid to speak because you're afraid of getting made fun of for mm-hmm. speaking. Well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or I think that was also like a really big part of why I was sure. so quiet. Cause I was just like, I'm, I don't know. I'm not trying to get judged or anything mm-hmm. like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, not to say that, you know, that has anything to do with my upbringing, that that's a negative thing in terms of me being able, you know, I maybe to some people might speak, you know, better uh, than others, but I guess according to someone else's level of how well someone should speak. Yeah. But um, yeah. So, you know, but um, you know, but my parents were extremely influential in my life. They were and are to this day still positive uh, role models and uh, uh, supportive, um, you know, um, loving, caring, um, and I, I couldn't have asked for more. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, you know, since my mom passed away, it's been, you know, uh, tough for me because I was, you know, very close with her. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in some ways, like, because she passed away, I think it was a month before I went to college. Mm, wow. So I didn't even want to yeah. go to school. So, you know, yeah. that kind of, that's another thing that kind of brought me back into my shell, mm-hmm. probably even deeper. Mm-hmm. But, um, in some ways motivated me to kind of find myself later on in life, uh, motivated me to kind of like dig deeper and kind of just find purpose yeah. in everything that I do. Like literally everything yeah. that I yeah. do. Um, I would, you know, consider her like, like a guiding light mm. for me mm-hmm. to this day, just mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, I still like, you know, try to talk to her mm-hmm. in spirit, mm-hmm. you know, for guidance and mm-hmm. things like that. So, um, definitely my biggest influence, biggest support system is definitely my, my parents. Mm. So my dad has been great. He's been, you know, the rock that's helped to hold us together sure. and stuff like sure. that. And, you know, obviously, you know, he, um, is extremely busy with his job, mm-hmm. but, um, he he's done the best he can and more. So, you know, I, I couldn't be happier for them. I couldn't yeah. be well for them for me too. Right. Um, or more thankful. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, everything that I am today has been helped by them to shape me into what I am, what I'm doing. Yeah, and most definitely. Yeah, yeah. Now I I love it, and you know, and I remember when, you know, yeah, you know, when we were first talking at the. I guess it was the um, like the orientation first session. Orientation. That's, that's when I first met you. Yeah. And, you know, and we were yeah. we were talking a little bit. And I, you know, I think I might have shared some of this uh, with you. You know, and I'll be brief because I like I mention it a lot on the podcast. You know, because people are always talking about their backgrounds. You know, I mean, but you know, I you know I grew up. Um, you know, uh, uh, went to very mixed schools. Like honestly, most of my friends were white. 
really until I was 30, like 31. Like, so I'm, you know, like even throughout college, after college, you know, at, a couple of years after college, I kind of had like a core group of like two black dudes that like, you know, I, you know, I really were like very tight and one of them is like a brother to me. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, I, it was a thing that like I was very self-conscious about. And at a certain point, it sort of became like such a big thing. I was like, is it like too late for me to even get black friends? Like I'm so I'm so far down this like rabbit hole of being surrounded by Caucasians, you know, and like and, you know, and by that point, you know, because I mean, like the, you know, m- most music that I listen to is generated by white artists. Um, and it's not even a thing of like. I think rap is problematic or I don't, I mean like there's a lot of problematic rap and there's a lot of like great rap, but it's like, it's the aesthetic of it is just something that is not really that appealing to me. Like nothing against it, but it's just like, nah, like I'm, it's just, it's not my thing. Um, it's like, I like music with guitars. So, so I'm going to listen to, you know, uh, I'm trying to, think i'll just mention the the old bands that i know i was going to try to make it very contemporary for the young people that are listening but yeah i don't listen to any modern music so it's like yeah i'd rather listen to like david bowie and talking heads and frank zappa than like kendrick lamar you know like my wife plays kendrick um and i'm like yo his stuff is awesome but like that's that's not really my thing so so what was i've learned to really just like embrace who i am and be like I've had the experiences that I've had, you know, I think that they make me unique. The other thing that, you know, at I like one in just the way I've mapped out my life and with this podcast is that I end up talking to a lot of people. There are more black folk who have experiences similar to like what we've had than like the public perception that is out there. It's not necessarily a massive amount of us. It might even only be 10 or 15 percent of the population or even 5 percent. But we're 35, there's 35 million of us in America. Maybe there's 40 million of us. So 5% of that is a lot of people. Yeah. And it's probably like, you know, more than that, or even, um, you know, um, not even necessarily in terms of like growing up in predominantly white environments, but like, yeah, you know, I mean, my wife really grew up in an extremely insulated black community, Harlem, Brooklyn, and the black section of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, you know, and she likes Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and Game of Thrones and the Tudors. Like I learned about Game of Thrones through her. Like I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. Anything with swords, Love she, Game of Thrones. she like yeah. she is like a Game of Thrones person. So, um, but the reason why I say that is, so at this point, I'm very comfortable with it. I, you know, the way that I'm talking now is the way I talk to everyone. This is the way my father told me to speak, and I don't think that. I speak better or worse than anyone. I'm like, if those are the words you use, that's cool. Like, this is how my black daddy taught me how to talk. So this is how I'm going to talk. And I'm, if you want me to be authentically myself, this is, this is me. Um, and, and I'm very comfortable with it. Um, and I think it took me working in a lot of predominantly black environments for me to be like, you know, I, I just got to be myself. So, I'm going to talk to dudes at 21st and Lehigh the way I talk to dudes in like Center City or whatever. Um, but something yeah. that honestly, I'm always, yeah, there, I think there will always be a part of me that when I meet other black people that like I don't really know, and especially like through work like Up to Us, where it's really, you know, focused on 
developing equity, helping communities uh, develop agency, you know, really being in thoughtful collaboration with communities that have really gotten just like all the, the dirt and ick that America produces, which, you know, you it's more likely to happen the darker your skin is. Um, there's always a little part of me that's a little self-conscious just because I either you know, have flashbacks to being a little kid of like, why do you talk like that? Or, you know, like you think you're better than us. And also just knowing that like, there are sometimes people that show up in the community that sound the way that we sound or present the way that we present. And they do think that they are better than other black people. And they kind, and they do on some level think, well, because I'm connected to white institutions, I, I, I am better than you. So it's like, so I, I understand the lens with which people will, will see me sometimes. Um, and so I, you know, I want, I, I try to find ways to let people know, like, uh, no, like I have good intentions. So like, I, I always find a way to work into a conversation that like I'm married to a black woman and I'm married to a black woman from Harlem who has locks and is, you know, darker complexion than me, you know? And I, you know, and, and I always sort of wonder, it's like, well, am I like, am I tokenizing my wife by saying that? Like, you know, but I also like, but I've noticed specific, especially in previous jobs that I've had that, um, a, a certain segment of black women who are like, who are nice to me from the beginning. Like, I'm not saying that they're like being that they have a, like a thing against me, but after they meet my wife, there is a noticeable change in how they, mm. how they react towards me because yeah, they, they want to make sure that I'm not, um, yeah, that I'm like not clowning black people or that like, I'm not talking big or, you know, that I'm not, that I'm a fraud. A, yeah, acting in a way that is not in alignment with what my rhetoric yeah. is. So, but I say all of that to say that, like, you know, when when we were talking about our backgrounds, um, you know, I was just like, oh, like I definitely want to talk to Brian more. One, just because I mean, like, you're a, a an engaging, you know, very just pleasant person to be around. And two, you know, I, you know, I've I know what it's like to be that guy of like, oh, like where do I really fit in? So there is an element of like, you know, I try to, yeah, just sort of, yeah. People did it for me, so I want to do it for people as well. Absolutely, and this kind of platform is what we need more of because I, I think it it literally gives people those that five percent, yeah, six percent, yeah. whatever it is, some type of outlet, some mm -hmm. type of voice, some type of uh, represent representation, yeah, too, because it's a thing. Yeah, it's absolutely. Thing. Yeah, and yeah, and it's you know, and it was a, a big part of why I wanted to do this. Yeah, I mean, um, to to have. A platform where black people black people can just talk about our lives and it's not uh you know i feel like the only time uh like we're on the news is when something crazy happens and it's like what's your opinion on this thing it's like eh, right. well, well what about my you know day-to-day -day life yeah and and for that you know for the the segment of the population where we're not being represented because i'm i'm all about um that like there should be voices for everything so like personally um the new movie that uh, you know that Lena Waithe made, Queen and Slim, yeah. that's coming out. I probably will not see that movie just because I honestly don't know if that story will be engaging for me personally. Mm -hmm. What I would probably do is I I will probably I mean I might just go just you know like so, you know if Naomi's like you want to go see it I'll be like yeah, yeah obviously or I might just like I might buy like five tickets and just give them to someone so it's like you know I want them to make money 
And I don't want anything to get in the way of some studio head being like, no, nah, you, you, this, you made this film and no one came and saw it. So yeah, we're not, yeah. so you're not getting the money for the next project. So it's like, I'll gladly buy tickets. I'll gladly buy it on DVD and financially support it. Right. I don't know if the story will resonate for me personally. Maybe, maybe not. However, I know that like the story will resonate for a lot of people. And I'm like, yeah, I want to see more black stories that represent the whole thing. So it's like, you know, I want to see crazy avant-garde, you know, nonsensical freaking whatever movies. I want to see action movies with all black cast. I want to see science fiction. I want to see Afrofuturism. I want to see, you know, movies just about like, you know, like I would love to see uh, like, yeah, just like a movie about like. Not like really shitty people, but yeah, like because like, like there are like I don't like. Do you ever watch a show like um It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah, yeah. So I I mean I've loved that show ever since it came on. My wife loves it. It's like they're like they're really re- reprehensible people. Like I mean that's kind of the point of it, you know, right. or something like Family Guy. It's like oh like you're all like really awful people. <laughs> so I I would love to like see a show where it's just like it's black characters and it's like oh like there's literally nothing redeeming about you, but it's really funny like. I want to see right. it all. So, right. yeah, that's kind of my thing with the 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 representation. So, I, right. I have a question about your your dad. So, well, and your parents. So, wh- where did your parents grow up? So, my dad moved a lot when he was young. Okay. Uh, so, m- my grandfather, his dad was a draftsman. Um, uh, worked for uh, a couple different companies, but he was born in Detroit. Okay. Um, then moved to if i'm correct buffalo okay new york yeah then from buffalo uh i believe they moved if i'm not mistaken to ohio for a short time then to erie pa mm-hmm. and then to uh the germantown mount airy okay chestnut hill ish yeah. area actually about maybe like 10 minutes from here sure okay. on uh, wadsworth avenue oh yeah yeah uh, yeah I, I was just on wadsworth yesterday yeah so um you know he moved around a lot Went to high school at Central. Um, he then went to. Uh, he actually played baseball, and he uh, went to Penn State. Oh, and cool. he. Uh, well, so so when he went to school, it was back in the late seventies, okay. early eighties, yeah. and um, you know he was on the team, but his coach never played him. Gotcha. Um, because because of the 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 melanated skin. Well, it, it, the coach wasn't fond of him. Sure. From the start, and mm-hmm. I think that did have something to do with yeah. it. Because he did mention a story to me. I, I won't. You know, I don't know, put all of his business out there, but where that was implied. Mm-hmm. Um. So he stopped playing baseball after a couple years there because he he they they just wouldn't play him. Yeah. Yeah. Um. He claims he hit a bunch of home runs in practice, so I'll take his word for okay. it. Okay. Now, is it is is it one of those things where you're like, you know, I feel like at, when you're an adult, you you know things about your parents. So like like there there are things that my dad will say, and it's just like, <laughs> I don't want to not believe anyone, but it's like I'm 40, I I know my dad, so it's like. Did that really happen, Dad? <laughs> so yeah, it, it might be right. You know, as, as, you know, yeah. as, aside from you know, uh, prejudice or racism, you know, that you're dealing with, like yeah, you know, but, but, yes, you know that that is a thing, and yeah. you know, and and yeah, uh, 
people as they get older don't necessarily remember things. The, <laughs> right. the, the myth of it grows up in their mind. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. So like, I I hope if if the, your dad listens to this, is he going to be completely like offended? Like, who is this snot nose um, podcast punk no. <laughs> calling me a liar? I'm you know I'm a I'm a neurosurgeon and this this loser who hosts a show in his basement that no one listens to is is calling me out. <laughs> No, no, he's he, he'll be fine. Okay, he's fine. All right, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he uh, he finished up at Penn State, um, which I mean, off the field had its own issues related mm-hmm. to race. And stuff oh like yeah, that. yeah. I to and, this day I'm surprised that black people go there. I mean, I honestly do not spend that much time in Pennsylvania outside of the metro Philadelphia area unless I know exactly where I'm going and uh yeah I I won't I won't consume it on this podcast but yeah I'll tell you a very uh, one day I'll tell you know we can do it later today you know when we're done but yeah I I had a what I thought was a hilarious racist experience up in the Poconos uh and it happened right around the time that um that Get Out was in the theaters so oh wow yeah you were in Get Out country Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I was fully prepared for it just because um (laughs) since I'd grown up around so many white people I'm like yeah no like to me Get Out is a documentary and yeah Naomi was like this is not cool. I was like, I, I actually kind of think it's funny, but yeah. So I'll t- I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I you know, all I know is that at one point mm-hmm. it didn't live up to the name Happy Valley. Yeah, think. no, no. But um, he got he got out of Penn State, yeah. uh, and then went to medical school at Temple. Okay, down in the city. Um, uh, I don't even know how long you're in medical school for. Yeah, I have uh, no idea. Him. It yeah. might have been just another four years or four to. I don't know. But um, then, you know, he did his, uh, oh gosh, what do you call it? It's like oh, the equivalent to an internship. Yeah, residency. Doctor, residency uh, at uh, Penn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, he came to Reading. So what's the, I, you know, and I, I hope that the, the good people of Reading <laughs> yeah. are not are not upset. What? But I just, I feel like, Oh, like you're you're in a major city. Like there's just like so much stuff. Right. Yeah. I I just I feel like you know I think about that yeah. too. I, I'm not. Is it because it was more suburban? Yeah. It was yeah. kind of a Philadelphia suburb. Not really. Sure. It's yeah. an hour away, but you know, I mean, they had a train st- that mm-hmm. used to run to yeah, Philly. So absolutely. I mean, you know, you could count that maybe to make it more of a Philadelphia suburb. But um, all I know is that you know he was going into private practice. Mm-hmm. And I guess at that time he saw the opportunity. Yeah. Um, so, um, so he actually uh, also I, I I forgot worked at MCP. What's that? Um, Medical College of Pennsylvania or Philadelphia, but it's no okay. longer here. Gotcha. It's no longer here, which is actually where he met my mom. Okay. They, they met in the uh, OR. I okay. Think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so kind of like a little bit of a Grey's Anatomy yeah. type of uh, scene um, sounded like, but um, <laughs> yeah. So then that first ever Grey's Anatomy reference, yeah. I think, on this show. Yeah, no one I've interviewed. I've never. I've seen like three minutes of one episode of Grey's Anatomy. It's- a woman I went to college with was the big star on Private Practice. I think, oh. like, yeah, it's like so. Okay, because it wasn't. 
because I guess someone from Grey's Anatomy was the main person. On, but then there was another person. Okay. Anyway, a, a woman I went to college with, her name is Katie Strickland. But yeah, okay. she was on private practice. Nice. Uh, she was also, um, she played Russell Crowe's divorce lawyer in American Gangster. Wait, I think I, I know who it is. Then. Yeah, She's if you saw her. like her hair. Yeah, and because when we uh, were in college, she had blonde hair, but like her hair is darker now. I don't know what her natural hair color is, but yeah, I'm I'm sure if you because she was like a a fairly big film actor for a while, but yeah, so I so yeah, that's that's my knowledge of uh, Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Like Patrick Dempsey plays Doctor McDreamy or something, something like that. There's yeah. a McDreamy, I think. There's a McSteamy. Okay, Mc <laughs> Mc. Something e, yeah, yeah. something with a vowel yeah. in, or I don't know. But, yeah, uh, steamy, dreamy. Yeah, and, uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, but uh, by the way, my dad does say like a lot of that show like is not what it's not. Oh yeah, no, same. I believe it. It's yeah. not like what actually goes. Down. Absolutely, Something absolutely. Like yeah, it's like you know, I've um, I remember when <laughs> I was a little kid. I was like fourth grade or something. We did a field trip into um, the like the town over from where we lived in California and we I don't know why our teachers did this because I'm like that I don't know if that's a good idea but we went into a, like a courtroom so I like we got like a tour of city hall and we went into a courtroom and and they were like and the teachers were like so just so you know when we go in you have to be really quiet and they're like it's not like it is on tv it's not like your honor this is an outrage this mendacity <laughs> um but then looking back on it and I'm like I don't know if it's a good idea to like bring like eight-year-olds into a into a courtroom like i'm i don't know so i mean some crazy stuff goes down in courtrooms sometimes yeah. so you never know you never depending know on the day the case yeah. The, yeah the judge yeah uh something i'm wondering about is as far as you know i mean like what how kind of big is the black population in reading in the actual city so like is it um like 20 percent? so if we're talking the city yeah it's it's probably pretty low. Okay, I, I'd say it's fairly low, lower right. than you might even think. Right. Like, uh, so so you know, in writing, we have a fairly diverse population of people from European descent, um, Hispanic and Latino descent, mm -hmm. um, some African Americans, right. um, a lot of Africans. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so you know, I mean, I, I I've had multiple times where I was confused with being Puerto Rican or Dominican. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see that. It's understandable. Yeah. Um, you know, I get it. You know. Yeah. And when, but, like when I've been to, um, like Allentown. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm mm -hmm. one of my good friends, his wife grew up in Bethlehem. So we went up there for a wedding. Um, and, the wedding was on a Saturday. So then like on a Sunday, Naomi and I went through just like Allentown and, and we saw, yeah, like a fair amount of like Puerto Rican folk, Dominican folk. We did not see any, you know, and it, and it was um, a fairly diverse cross section, at least, you know, my understanding of Puerto Rican and Dominican culture it was like, you know, people who are clearly of African descent, people who have a strong mix of, you know, African descent and then indigenous Caribbean, like, you know, the Taino yeah. and, you know, the, you know, the indigenous folk, um, you know, and sort of like varying degrees. But as far as like 
African-American, like, grandparents from the South, like, we didn't really see any. Yeah. So my mom was from Jamaica. Okay. So that whole side of the family's from there. So, you know, uh, and my dad's dad was from Bermuda. Gotcha. My my grandmother, who's my dad's dad, is that's also my only living grandparent, mm-hmm. is the only grandparent I have from this country. Gotcha. Uh, she's from uh, Alabama. Okay. So, um, you know. I'm just, you know, that's another thing. I'm just kind of used to having a multicultural, mm-hmm. uh, you know, family background. Yeah. As, you know, when it comes to holidays, foods, yeah. things like that. So, so wh- where did your mom grow up? So she was from St. Catharines, Jamaica. Okay. Um, and that's where she was born? Yeah, born okay. and, and raised yeah. for, until her teenage years. Sure. Uh, she has... Uh, three other sisters. Okay. Uh, one passed uh, 10 years ago, but they all grew up with my grandmother. Uh, my mom's dad was, I believe, 50 when he had her. Okay. Yeah. A little over 50. Mm-hmm. And he died right before mm. she was born. Wow. Or right a little yeah, after she was sure. born. Excuse yeah, me. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So uh, she never knew him. Yeah. Um, his name was Cornelius. Uh, uh, every, I mean, uh, my older aunts have stories about mm-hmm. him that they remember uh, fairly, you know, not, I wouldn't say vividly, but, um, you know, pretty well. But, um, yeah, so they grew up in St. Catharines, um, moved to America when she was in her early teens uh, to Philly, mm-hmm. um, over in North Philly. Um, she went to MLK High School. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, which isn't too far. Yeah, it's here. very close by here. Yeah. Um, so when she was done there, she went to Widener. Okay. Um, yeah. In uh, Chester. Yeah. Um, which is literally ten minutes from my school, Newman University. Mm. So, and my my younger sister actually almost ended up going to Widener, but uh, for other reasons, she she went a different route. But um, then she got her nursing degree and. Uh, moved on to MCP, and then, you know, when she met my dad, yeah. they eventually settled down, moved to Reading, and um, she then commuted to Philly. Uh, I, I don't know if she was still at MCP, but she commuted to Philly from Reading every day. In yeah. fact, there was a lot of days when I was young where I'd be dropped off at my uh, mom's mom, uh, my grandmother's house, like at like five yeah. to Five thirty in the morning, oh, yeah. and uh, get picked up later. Yeah, that's yeah. serious. That's serious. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but you know, that was you know, that was just that was life. Yeah, it's what you knew. Yeah, they you know they had a job to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, but I had it good, man, because you know my grandparents, oh, they were, and still are to this day. Like I said, for my mom, kind of like guiding lights, mm-hmm. just in terms of their guidance, their wisdom that yeah. they brought. To me over the years that I still carry with me and, you know, use in situations. Absolutely. Like that. so, Absolutely. You know, it's uh, so, yeah. So my mom and her family, um, which is also my family, obviously, yeah. we're very close. So I have a lot of cousins in Jamaica. So that's cool. But, yeah. Last time we were there was about eight years ago. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, got to meet p- new mm-hmm. cousins and stuff like that. So, like, you know, I'm, I'm really big on that and like family. And yeah. Just, you know, just. Being together, stuff like that, because, you know, 
if anyone's going to have your back, it's always going to be those people. So it uh, it always is. It, it, it's it's so comforting too, especially like when if you have times where you feel just alone, stuff like that. If you have a good family backbone to mm-hmm. support you and literally have your back, that's 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 comforting and uh, you know gives you peace of mind at the absolutely. end. Absolutely, so, absolutely. So my mom was, you know, she and her family, her side of the family, they are just you know just great and my dad's side of the family is just as much yeah supportive and you know uh loving and caring and i have cousins in alabama that that uh i haven't even mm-hmm. met yet but some that i actually recently met um a couple months ago so you know it's just always cool kind of just knowing that you know meeting more people of your blood absolutely blood yeah. type or whatever yeah um, and and for me like one of the things that i'm uh, I'm trying to do is because my um, my parents come from a pretty big family. My dad only has one brother, but his mom uh, had like six or seven siblings and they pretty much like all stayed in Chicago. Like my dad was really the only one who kind of left. My grandmother eventually left Chicago when I was born because yeah, since we since I grew up in Southern California, my grandmother had divorced my biological grandfather she moved to california remarried someone who like we that's really the only grandpa i like really knew Mm -hmm. um so like i i grew up 10 minutes away from my grandparents on yeah on my dad's side and then my mom was the youngest of 10 she just has one brother left because my mom is like 76 and her oldest brother was she's young yeah 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 young lady um and my yeah, my uh, mom's like oldest brother was like twenty three when she was born. Okay. You know, like wow. is, yeah, I mean there was a you know a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because m- her parents were in their forties when they had her, and my mom's father was actually born in either eighteen ninety seven or eighteen ninety three. Whoa, yeah, yeah, and her mom was born in nineteen hundred. Wow, yeah, yeah. So like it's yeah, but, yeah. My mom's dad was in the army in World War One. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like bonkers. It's bonkers. That's, wow. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I mean, they passed away way before I was born, but like, it's kind of crazy to be like, yo, my grandpa was in World War One. Yeah, like that's crazy because my other two, grandpas were two. in World War Two. This dude was in World War One. Wow. Um, but the reason why I mention that is a lot of my extended family, I just I didn't grow up near because yeah, I mean, we were in California. Yeah. Um, and so recently, I've been very adamant about collecting as many pictures I can particularly for the grandparents that I didn't know because Mm -hmm. I want to it's my sort of attempt to have like some type of connection to them and then also for me personally partially just because of the state that so many black people worldwide you know find ourselves in I take a lot of I don't know if comfort is the right word but I just I wish that for those of us that are in just awful situations like not to downplay just like how serious times are that we're living in mm-hmm. um i want us to have at least some kind of contextual understanding to like learn well how did our elders who were in many cases facing stuff where it's like i don't i don't know how you wake up in the morning with a smile on your face dealing with that stuff. Like, you know, my mom was telling me that, yeah. So yeah, my, my granddad who was in world war one in the army, you know, this is the 19, like 
the 1910s when yeah. black people were treated worse than dogs. So, yeah, I mean, he was technically in the army, but essentially, if I'm remembering things correctly, his job was essentially to dig ditches and clean toilets. Hmm. That's it's like, yeah, that's, you know, that's your reward cleaning toilets. And then you come back to America and you're still treated like dirt. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like, OK, well, if he can do that and raise 10 kids in a you know, and be a, a happy, fulfilled person. I, I can deal with, you know, some problematic person on TV saying something foolish. It's like, you know, exactly. and yeah. And I, 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 I just, I, I really take a lot of, I don't know what the right word is, inspiration or comfort, but like, no, like no, knowing how our elders live their lives and like the gifts that they gave us. It's, it's one of the reasons that I like to have, pictures of my grandparents and my great grandparents around because it's, it's like I'm yeah. I'm trying to 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 get what they had you know and and even a lot of them you know I had uncles that like built businesses like from scratch and you know like did very well for themselves financially emotionally spiritually you know romantically all of that so right. you know um and I I think that for a lot of us the more that we really lose, that connection with our elders, I, I think that is a big part of um, a lot of why we are in the situations that we're in. Because the 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 powers that be that have tried to get us off track and kill us and maim us, and, like those things have always been there. Like they've always been there, and in many cases they've been worse. But I feel like the you know the elders were always that protective shield that let us know like who we were really, so that we didn't fall for. Like, you know, this caricature media image of this is what black dudes do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I've actually your point about keeping pictures and things like that, that that's something that just resonated with me because I'd never seen it from that point of view. I was someone who I never well, more so after my mom had passed. Mm. I didn't I didn't like pictures or mm, looking mm -hmm. at pictures. My dad did. Sure. In fact, he would get tons of family photos. He'd yeah. dig up and you know, you get photos of her and get like, not life-size version, yeah. but like bigger versions sure. have them in the house. And like, it, it honestly, at one point, like just really just pissed me off. Because yeah, it, it was like a painful it's sort just, of reminder. It's of, all just a reminder of when things were better, mm, kind of, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. So I never looked at it as like, well, no, like those, are, that's a reminder of when like things obviously were better, but it's also should be a, uh, a, a tool, a, a piece of something to mm -hmm. help keep you going forward. Mm -hmm. Maybe to get those times back. Somehow, sure. Right? Sure. Just yeah. To, just to know that, you know, everything is, you know, obviously different, but like you can still, you know, the, the story, the story is still being told. Yeah. You can still add to this. Yeah. You can make your own photos so that, mm -hmm. you know, when something happens to you, right. Your kids and right. their kids will be able to look back in, in a positive way. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's interesting you put it that way. So it, it kind of makes puts everything kind of back into perspective for me. But yeah, no, I I think it's important to kind of just uh, to your other point, just kind of know that like you know for our grandparents and great grandparents, like times were different. So that should like you know like part of that should help to kind of put things into perspective and knowing that like it could be worse mm -hmm. in any situation you're in. It doesn't matter what it could be. It could be like you said, like dealing with someone on TV or someone at work or, you know, 
just even like little issues. Yeah. It's like, wow. Like I, I still have it. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. You know, every day is a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, look at the positives and things. Um, take, take any kind of useful knowledge from any situation. Yeah. Cause no one got anywhere being negative all the time. Yeah. So, you know, absolutely. It's just, you know, it's a good point, you know, just try to put things into perspective. Yeah. And, um, I was interviewing someone for this podcast yesterday. And one of the things that we were talking about and Naomi and I talk about it is, also understanding that there there are ways around and through all of this nonsense and and that's one of the things that's also inspiring for me and it's beyond inspiration it's also like okay well the the history leaves roadmaps and clues as to like you know how to how how do we move forward because one of the things that i'm really big about is I'm really on this vibe of like so how do we create how do we create the things that we want um something that I have serious reservations about on multiple levels is when Mercer is old enough to go to school I mean and we're thinking about this now because he's going to be starting daycare soon he he goes to his to Naomi's parents right now And for me, the big concern is really what is the environment that he's going to be socialized in and what are the expectations that people have for him, Um, regardless of what their race is, because just the way that I have seen the expectations that many people, including black people, have for other black people, where it's like if you're not failing out of school and if you're not destitute it's wonderful and it's like yeah it's you know it's and it's not about judgment but but it's about like well don't like don't settle for things to kind of just be okay and that Mm -hmm. was what I love you know similar to you my parents have just been you know best parents I, I could ever have asked for great my dad's thing was like, don't settle for just okay. And he yeah. was kind of a hard ass about it. Not in a mean way. Like he wasn't, he didn't withhold love or anything, but he had a very clear vision for what he wanted my brothers and I to be able to accomplish in our lives. And he knew that like the internal discipline of not being content was a big part of it. So that is something that I have concerns about because I'm sure you encounter this in the work that you do with Starfinder is that to a large degree, young people will rise up to what the expectations that are set for them. And it's not just like, oh, well, you know, if Coach Brian thinks I can do it, I can do it. And if he doesn't, I can't. But it's like there's also when you have a certain baseline of expectations, the behavior that you engage, the way that you interact with your students is affected by that. So... My whole thing is is that when I look at our elders where they started their own businesses, sometimes from scratch, they like started schools, they started independent economic systems sometimes, um, you know, like they might even have like a, a whole economy that's completely divorced from the white economy and it's all self-sustaining. 
I'm like, so that's what I'm trying to do. And so I'm sort of like, okay, what, what did, if they were able to accomplish all of that with whatever they had, I'm like in the era of like the internet and all these things where like we can communicate, like you, you know, like Naomi and I are, are really working to being committed to like buying our Christmas presents, like exclusively from black owned businesses. Like Mm -hmm. that's one of the things we're trying to do. Um, yeah, like that, like that's what I'm, you know, when I see what our elders did with very little, I'm like, uh, at least in my life, I want to be able to, to do some of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's also just having that mentality. There's gotta be a way Mm -hmm. just, it's, it's possible. I just have to put my mind to mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think that way a lot too. Just, you know, just if even if we're just talking about making money or yeah. something, there, there's, a, there's a way, there's gotta be a way. There's gotta be a way. There's gotta be a way. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that's, that's definitely important. And you know, that that's a good point that you raised there. So, yeah. All right. We're in agreement with that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so how, how did you get into thinking of doing acting and modeling i mean like were you did you do plays in so, high school were you always so this is th- this thing. handsome like if i look at a baby picture of you are you just gonna have that million dollar smile just radiate light, lighten up a room <laughs> what, what's crazy is i so i was just so i was so shy growing up mm-hmm. and well i don't know and you know we we kind of like we were talking about earlier just being in a shell because of social norms mm-hmm. that were set. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, I, I feel like it was in there. I just never, cause like I would have people more so towards like college say, Oh, like you, you could be like a model or something yeah. like that. I've that's happened. Sure. Like I'm not BSing or anything. Like yeah. People have told me that and I'm just like, eh, maybe like the, that lack of confidence mm-hmm. type answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But, um, you know, I mean, I had done, <laughs> I, I hadn't done plays or anything like that. Right. I mean, the most experience I had had prior to college was, uh, you know, a sixth grade play I did where I had one line. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, the, the play was DuckTales and Bobby Socks. Awesome. And I, I played, uh, one of the, uh, the, uh, the, the guys with this leather jackets. Awesome. Yeah. Even though it was set in the fifties that, well. Not sure how that would have worked, anyways, but right, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's a suspension of disbelief. Yeah, and, well, yeah, I was the only African American yeah. kid in the class, so I guess, so let's give him something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, I, I, no. I was in a production of The Miracle Worker in high school, and I don't know if you know about it, but it's, it's the story of Helen Keller and how she learns to communicate from her teacher. So, mm-hmm. and like, and Helen Keller grew up in like Alabama, so, so, oh, and and she, I didn't know that. Yeah, so okay. she's from Alabama, and um, her. You know, I mean, her family was, I think they were, they were pretty like well off financially, but so, so yeah, the, the high school I went to, I moved from Southern California, uh, when I was 14 to Northern Virginia and Northern Virginia, that was really where I was like one of three black people on my school bus. Like in California, we, we, like our town was about 30 to like 35, 40% black. So like there was a black section of town where we live. So like all of my neighbors were black. Like my, my immediate like sort of um, living area was completely black. Mm-hmm. My school was fairly mixed, maybe like 30% black Northern Virginia. It was, 
there was like no other black families in the apartment development we lived in. And there was one other black kid on my school bus. But I mean, I was super comfortable with that because, like I said, I mean, like all of my friends were white up until like three minutes ago. So, so, um, <laughs> uh, but so the play I was in, I, um, I played a Greek man because, you know, like I auditioned for, I'm like, oh, I want to play the part of Dr. Anagnos. And so I got nice. cast as him. And, um, and he was supposed to, I think he was supposed to be like from Greece. So, like, not like Greek American, like, oh, like this dude yeah. grew up in Greece and then he moved to Alabama, I guess, when he was 30. Uh, so, so I did a, you know, quote unquote Greek accent, which, you know, if a video ever surfaced of that, like, you know, it's pretty, it's, it's at best problematic at worst outright racist. Um, I sounded like the count from Sesame street more than anything. <laughs> I don't know. Um, which is funny cause my, my <laughs> girlfriend at the time was of Greek descent, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, but the, the point I'm trying to make is, so I just, I remember, yeah, like I'm the only black person in the show. Yeah. Um, one of the students was assistant directed it. She was black, and she was my girlfriend the year before. So I had my ex girlfriend <laughs> and my <laughs> current girlfriend working on the same show. Oh, man. Um, one of only one of them talks to me now. <laughs> um, but a- yeah, like Helen Keller's family, like they 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 had according to the um to the stage directions, Negro servants that worked for them. Because I mean, like they they were a a well-off white family in Alabama in the yeah. late 1800s or whenever, you know, she was, so it's like, yeah, I mean, of course you're going to have quote unquote Negro servants, but I remember, you know, so they had like all of these white kids playing these like black mammies. Right. And like, if a video of that comes out, I, I would be curious to see how people would react because, Oh, they, they yeah, just... like, like they were trying to do like, di- I mean, and when, when I was 16 or whatever, like I didn't really think anything of it because I mean, I was just so naive to the world, but right. you know, they're just like, you know, Miss Keller, can we do this thing? Um, and I even remember, uh, like some of the adults oh, were like, those are really good Southern accents. Yeah. And I, I, even I was like, yeah, like so-and-so she sounds good as a black mammy. Right. It's like, yeah. you know, it's. Uh, someone, someone would dig that up if they if they ever run for office. Right, someone's yeah. digging that up. Yeah, and s- spinning it. Yeah, spinning absolutely. It. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm cur- I'm very curious to know like what I would think now with just my understanding of the world. Like, oh man, I'm also wondering what my parents thought when they saw it. I'm you know. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Because they well, they, I mean, they saw this show. So yeah, I wonder if that was like a level of a little bit of uh, uncomfortable. Sure, uh, sure. It's unsettling. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure they were probably Vibe. yeah, like they were comfortable with it. I mean, also it's like I mean they moved me to the town, so they yeah. you know they might have you know should have known what they were getting me into. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, yeah, so so you played like you know yeah a fifties fifties greaser rock and roll yeah dude yeah. yeah in a time if if that was real life if you had walked into that town they would have chased you out with, <laughs> you know pipes and, and bricks and yeah, baseball and bats and milkshake yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was, and oh my gosh, I, I actually remember that day. I I was so scared to say that one line. Yeah, it was like something like, "No one talks to a, uh, what are we doing? yellow jacket that way." Something <laughs> like that. And I was so scared. Yeah, I, I probably stumbled. I probably stumbled. Sure, but got the line out. I was like, I never want to do that again. But fast forward, that was sixth grade. So like, what about? 13 years later, 14 years later, I find myself at that studio I was talking about and like, wow, 
actually, maybe I could do this. So, <laughs> so and so how, how did you end but, up at the studio? So, so cause, like, cause you, oh, you studied like sports administration, sport and in, entertainment management. Yeah. But one of my friends who was an actor, mm-hmm. um, communications major, but he, he does like plays and things like that. And he actually like has an agent and okay. stuff like that. When I did Creed two, he was in Creed two, but he okay. Had, so that let's 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 pause this for a second. <laughs> so I feel like you didn't mention to me that you were in Creed two because I feel like I would have remembered that. Oh, I I could have sworn I did. I mean, may I feel like I would have remembered so that. So it, it wasn't a speaking role. Yeah, yeah. But it was, I, it was I, a I featured. It was a featured extra role, yeah. but it wasn't. You know, I, he had a speaking role. Okay, but um, I was at the just the Fillmore scene. Okay. So I'm, I was a part and of one of the And I've never seen Creed. I've only seen the first one. Mainly because cause half the people I talk to are like, it's trash, it's garbage, oh, no. don't see it. But I feel like um, Andy from Up to Us, you know, like who was leading the, the like the CTI session, the bearded dude from yeah. Chicago. I feel like he liked Creed too, because we were kind of talking about it like during one of our debrief sessions. I mean, you know, I I, I will use my son as an excuse for not seeing anything. Although I think Creed <laughs> two came out before Mercer was born, but yeah, I, you know, I was prepping, I was getting all my financial stuff ready. Yeah. So I yeah, I, so I don't know anything about it, but I I love the first Creed. Like I, I thought it, it's. It was good. Yeah, Creed is actually one of my favorite, just like overall Rocky movies in yeah. general. Like I love it. Yeah. Oh, uh, Ryan. Um, oh, Coogler. Coogler did yeah. it. Yeah. So I mean, and anything he does. Yeah. Is just crazy, crazy good. But uh, we had a different director, uh, Stephen Cable. Okay. For Creed Two, who I talked to and met. He's oh, that's a great cool. Guy. Nice. He actually looks like Jake Cole. Yeah, I I saw a picture of him because I remember. I think it might have. So this is all coming back to me at the when I went to my institute for up to us. I actually had to go out to Sacramento to do it because there wasn't one happening on the East Coast or like the Midwest for like six months or something. So I was talking to a guy. So this is like 2017. And I think they were making Creed two at the time. And so we were talking and, and this guy was like, Coogler got screwed over because he's not directing Creed two, and I don't know if they were making Black Panther. Like, I don't know, it's all kind of a, a blur. But, but you yeah. know, but he, he's like Sylvester Stallone fired him, and he's directing Creed two, and I was like, really? I'm like, that? Huh? Are Are you sure? He's like, yeah, Sylvester Stallone is directing Creed two. Coogler got the shaft, and then one day I like Googled it, and I'm like, Sylvester Stallone didn't direct it, and then yeah. and then I'm like, all right, well, like. Hopefully, like it's a brother because I'm I'm like, you know, I I believe that anything everyone should be free to pursue the work that they want to do. But I also know that like 99 percent of the time, like black folk, we we very rarely even get to direct black films, like let alone films with a predominantly white cast. So I'm like, you weren't going to let a black dude direct any of the Rocky movies. So if you have a white guy directing Creed 2, like that's not going to be cool. And then I so I did like, you know, I think I looked up Wikipedia and then I like, you know, I looked at, I'm like, no, nah. I'm like, no, nah, he's, he's a melanated dude. I mean, like, you know, he's like kind of on the, I feel like he's on the lighter end of the, the African melanin spectrum. But I mean, my wife calls me light skin and, you know, I mean, I, my grandparents could have passed for white. So I, this, this isn't, I'm not colorizing anyone. I'm just making an observation, but I, I was like, I'm like, no, it's a, it's a black dude. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah. 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 No, he's, and he's you said he looks like J Cole. He looks just like J. Yeah, Cole. Yes. I don't, since I, <laughs> since I listen to the rap so rarely, 
you you could show me pictures of seven dudes and be like, I'll give you a million dollars if you can point out who J. Cole is. And I'll be like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if I knew that J. Cole existed until like a year and a half ago oh, maybe wow. yeah i'm okay. also because like contemporary just modern music i like listening to bands that have been around at least for eight years yeah so oh i do too yeah i don't know like, any modern music i just learned yeah. who lil nas x was two months ago yeah i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> the people i interviewed last week one of them can't like can't stand lil nas x yeah so like i li- so like i can listen to modern day like hip-hop and rap which has really become the new pop yes absolutely it's, it's like the genre yes. i can listen to it like and i will yeah but like i also have days where i'm like i can't listen to it yeah like on the work on my way to work i listen to like classical music mm, nice because it's calming yeah and when you're driving on the turnpike or 95 mm-hmm. it's super helpful yeah you need you need some calming influences yeah, yeah so like you know I, I might put on some like rap or hip-hop like on friday yeah i'm leaving work, yeah yeah you know unwinding get ready for the weekend type yeah. thing but um i'm not too big like you know i like a lot of like 90s rock so nice. like pro jam is yeah like, that's my group nice um creed which is a little later sure sure uh, people hate on creed i don't know why but they're uh great. yeah they do i mean i, I, I like yeah. creed yeah i i have no because i just i haven't really listened to their music and also i think people there were a lot of people who were really offended by the fact that they were, I guess they're Christian or like, or the so, yeah. Scott so, stamp is, so which like, I don't, I thing. mean, I grew up in the church, like, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not a practicing Christian, like, and I don't mean that like, I'm not a, like, I, I'm not going to claim something that I don't authentically do. My parents are practicing Christians. I went to Christian elementary school. Um, I, I go to church with my parents all the time. I'm, I am not an atheist. And like I, I mean I I don't like when religious people get crapped on. I'm just like it, yeah. Treat people as people, right? And you know I, I mean personally I wasn't um, drawn to them because they were considered or some considered Christian. Yeah. I just like their music. Sure, but um, that's you know I mean if we could talk Christian music, I mean I could ask you. I don't know if you've you've heard Kanye's newest album. <laughs> but, uh, I I haven't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, really, just because I'm busy more than anything. Because yeah. I like, uh, you know, Twisted Dark Fantasy. I own 808 and Heartbreaks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Naomi loves early Kanye. So late registration, college dropout. Oh yeah, those are the classics. She loves that the like Life of Pablo or whatever. She was like, yeah, no, you're losing me. That's where it started. Happening. Yeah. That's yeah. Where you- you know, that's yeah. where those downward slopes are yeah. happening in terms um, of the music. Absolutely. We absolutely. Get, the other stuff is a whole, other the other thing. stuff is a whole other thing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't listened to it. And something that Naomi and I talk about is, so we go back and forth as to whether I, and I'm, and I'm not making light of this because I've had my own challenges with mental health and I was in a behavioral health facility for like 10 days, you know, like I've battled depression, suicidal thoughts. So like, I don't like, I don't believe in joking about mental health. Yeah. I I sometimes wonder, I think that Kanye has some legitimate mental health challenges. Like, mm-hmm. I truly do. I truly do. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that has been exacerbated by not just the the passing of his mother, but how she passed away. Because I guess it was like a result of the surgery. It was literally just, it was sudden. Yeah. It was not, no, one's, no one saw it coming. Yeah. So I, I definitely get that. Yeah. So I, yeah. so I think that that is a legitimate part of the 
Kanye episodes that we see, yeah. whether it's whether that influ- uh, explains three percent or ninety percent, I I don't know because I right. I don't know the man. I I can kind of uh, relate a little sure. bit with you know losing my mind, right? Because that's you know depression is something that I feel like I'm just like. Not it's not necessarily something that I've dealt with and mm-hmm. it went away. It's just it comes in yeah. waves. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. But you know, he's also someone that's in the public eye. Yes. Who is married to someone in the public, in the public eye, eye? Who has a TV show? Yes. While they're also still in the yeah. public eye, in the social media age, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. Yeah. It's it's a lot and. And I do think that, the, yeah, it's, I think it is enough when, when people are constantly just like talking about you and if you absorb, because I've just noticed it in the, like the sort of l- extremely, extremely, extremely limited amount that I've been in some circles, like talked about just in the nonprofit work that I've done. It's like the narrative about you can make you lose your mental barriers. Yeah. So I, so I think that is a thing. I also think that Kanye is a huge narcissist and like is completely in love with himself and has a massive ego. And whether he's just legitimately like that, whether that's a mask because of insecurity he has or it sells records, I don't know. There is also sometimes a part of me that thinks like and I, you know, not the um, the things that I think are like legitimately like concerning, but like even his whole Trump thing and his MAGA hats, I'm like. I go back and forth as to is it all just a like show to sell tickets and stuff yeah. or is it um is it like half and half is it 1% is you know are are there like so, seven Kanye clones that are out there and they've all taken on right. a life of their own cuz cuz I actually thought when when he was like full on wearing maga hats and in the oval office I actually thought that like w- we could have been seeing the beginning of a thing where like he's in a behavioral health facility for like seven years. Like I kind of thought that, but now I'm just like, uh, was it, was it all just a thing to, to sell more records? Like, I don't know. I mean, and I don't, I don't, I, I don't really care what he does. And I don't like when people shit on the Kardashians. Cause like they're people, regardless of what they yeah. do, it's like they're human beings. They're like, don't talk about and them. They, they've used their brand yeah. to, for, you know, I mean, they've been doing great. Yeah. I mean, you know, the show, the, um, the stores, mm-hmm. um, their individual projects they yeah. have going on. Like, you know, Chloe with her, uh, clothing. Yeah. Mine, Kylie with her makeup. Mm hmm. Kendall, a model. Yeah, she has her own stuff going on. Kim, everything else. Yeah. <laughs> so you 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 have a very good working knowledge of of the the Kardashian business empire. Well, I mean, I, I'm also a big Kendall Jenner fan in general. Okay, for, for other reasons. Okay. But, oh, yeah. you like she? You think she's like? Oh, oh my pretty God. or she's, she's she's great. Is uh is she like the? Because I kind of once you get past the Kardashians into the Jenners, I start to get confused as to who's who. It, uh, wasn't one of them dating Big Sean or Tiger or like all? Oh, oh who, who? Ki- that was uh, I think that was Kylie Jenner. Okay, yeah, but all right. she's dating like Travis Scott now. Or something okay, like yeah. all right, yeah. So, so Kendall, who's the one that did the the problematic Pepsi commercial with the police uh, that officers? Was Kendall. That was Kendall. <laughs> okay, all right. It, so people, yeah. it, it don't was... if if you have strong feelings about uh, about Brian's uh, feelings towards Kendall, don't. 
I just bring people onto the show. I don't I don't censor anyone. I don't police people's speech. <laughs> well, I will say that commercial was a bit of a that was a that, that was a flop. Oh, it was a total flop, and it was. I, I, I'm just sort of like I think when that was people eliminated yeah. from the archives too. Yeah, that's just not that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are going to pretend <laughs> like it doesn't exist. Yeah, I just like with me because again, I I personally don't believe in getting my emotions tied up in a invested in a Pepsi commercial. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, yeah. yes, and um, like trip like tokenizing black political movements and tokenizing black lives matters and sort of like playing cute with police officers especially given the fact that even if it is only 0.00001% of police officers that are engaging in this egregious behavior because I don't think it's all cops um, Mm -hmm. that's not cool Mm -hmm. and also I'm like I'm I'm not going to spend my time railing against a Pepsi commercial like I'd rather spend that time actually dealing on systemic issues um right. but yeah i'm just like and also i'm just like uh, i i i don't expect anyone in the jenner or kardashian or kardashian family to think super deeply about the political ramifications of a soda commercial that's true in the same way that i don't expect my parents to who are very socially conscious people yeah all right all right but you're 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 in love with kendall jenner yeah pretty much okay pretty much. <laughs> all right and like it's and a she, work in progress. And she's yeah, right. like she's mostly uh does she just like mostly model? Uh I don't as I don't really know. That, I okay. know that's the I mean I don't know too much more gotcha. beyond that, but all I know is that she does modeling. Okay. All right. She uh yeah, she you know, does stuff, you know, Instagram. You have people, businesses that just, you know, oh sure post this amount per week or something yeah. and you get something from that so that you know they're probably doing that all the time all right well if i if i ever meet her i'll i'll introduce the two of you definitely definitely right. well so so what what have you listened to the kanye was it nebuchadnezzar is that what it's called um, or i don't know what it's wow his, his, his uh, new album I, i'd have to look it up again right but have, have you listened to his new album yeah I okay listen, i actually listened to it like at least like three or four times what do you think of it so this is the thing for me personally i kind of liked it okay I, That's I fair. Liked it. That's fair. I heard a lot of people saying it was trash, mm-hmm. but I, and I don't, I don't want to judge. But those people, especially the ones that I know that said it was trash, also aren't big into Christian music, sure, or Christianity in general. But I'm not saying that's you know how it is with everybody, but right? That was uh, a linkage I could make mm-hmm. between those specific friends of mine that are like that. But I did have friends who um, weren't um, or are, you know, uh, very, you know, practicing Christians in terms of going to church every Sunday that liked it. So, I mean, you know, I, I think it's just, it depends on your taste. It depends on your views, I guess, on Kanye. It depends on your views of whether you consider it hip hop or not. Right. You know. But I personally liked it. I think there okay. was some good content. Yeah. There are some songs that you know, kind of lost me, but mm-hmm. I'm not saying it was perfect or his, his best work, but I thought it was at least a solid, okay album. Okay. So um, it's worth listening to. Sure. Trying sure. it out. Even if it's just like, you know, cue up three songs or something like, like right. that. There. Like the three best songs. So, um, yeah. But like, you know, back to like the Kanye thing, I just feel like, so Kanye to me, in a small kind of way almost like 
serves and kind of is like a, a microcosm with some of the things that he says and does of what I feel like some people do feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not necessarily specifically the things he's talking about, but just in terms of how he's like, I don't want to be boxed or mm-hmm. be what you yeah. tell me to be. Yeah. He, had, he actually had an interview with a big boy who's a mm-hmm. big time radio head in, I think, New York, where he's talking about that. He's like, you know, we have rappers out here talking about, you know, effing this person yeah. or killing this person, but we'll say they're for, you know, uh, criminal justice reform yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like mm-hmm. he's just you know he, he has real like you know things that he says but you know it not it's not you know something that everyone's going to agree with but he also does have you know some good insightful like comments like sometimes he might not catch it because right. of just like the way he projects it mm-hmm. the way maybe because of his language mm-hmm. but like you can find like little things like oh, okay i kind of get what you're saying yeah like, oh absolutely like yeah you, like yeah like if if i want to you know now obviously like the maga thing that that's like an ext- almost extreme yes sort of but like yeah if i have the right to do this mm-hmm. x thing i can do that if i want to you know i, I don't mm-hmm. i don't need people to tell me what i should be and you know, conform to the social norms. Of, yeah, absolutely. Of what is in some ways expected, right? Right. So I get that. I get kind of where he's going with that, but I don't know if I personally can relate to sure. exactly like what he's talking about. But in terms of other things, how it relates to my life, I can take bits and pieces of what mm-hmm. he said and mm-hmm. like, attribute it to that. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I definitely think I think that he. He says things that a lot of more people feel than they will admit. Um, and he's open. He's he's very open. Sometimes. Very open. Sometimes. sometimes. Yes. Yes. Sometimes. Um, and yeah, I think people have a have a challenge distinguishing between what is the substance of what he's saying and how is he actually mm-hmm. saying it? Mm-hmm. Because I know tons of people, not tons, there, there are... Because I saw this on YouTube, there there was a there was sort of like a video clip of like various well known black celebrities talking about like how gangster they thought Trump was and like how he didn't fucking care what anyone said and it was like Ice Cube, um, maybe yeah. it was Shaquille O'Neal, like it was it, definitely Ice Cube, maybe Charles was, Barkley, yeah yeah like it, it's it, entirely possible that Charles Barkley <laughs> um, would say something like that and yeah I mean I I you know I have an extended member of my family who who voted for Trump and voted for Trump sort of for the like, yeah, like I don't really fucking like Mexican people. And like, I like how like Trump doesn't give a fuck what anyone thinks about him. He's brash. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and, and, and this, and this is a dude who doesn't really like white people like at all. And like really hmm. only hangs around black people. Hmm. So, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's not something I agree with, but it's like, I, I know people like that. And I mean, the what I I I definitely will say that I have always liked about Kanye is that I love how he he refuses to think that like oh as a this I have to do this as a rapper I have to sample this right. I have to be influenced by this I I have to do my concerts in this way right you know he he takes influences from all over and another thing that I think is interesting is that the, the even with his support of Trump 
that kind of energy has always been in him. And usually it's been sort of directed at people on the opposite ends of the political spectrum. But like, I don't, I don't necessarily think the George Bush thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because like he's, so this is just my personal take. This is just my personal belief. Um, Again, I am not someone who I don't believe in judging people based on if they're engaged in interracial relationships um, because I'm not going to tell someone how to live their life. And I don't think that it is I don't think a person should have to take on the responsibility of, well, I need to um, I need to only have black friends or date a black person and marry a black person to like do honor to the elders. It's like, that's a big responsibility. Mm. If you choose to take that on, I think that's fine, but I don't think you should have to. But mm. having said that, um, Kanye has created a lot of work that is really around the, like the conf- not, I don't know if confuse is the right word, but some of the songs, so I mean, the cover of my dark twisted fantasy or my twisted dark fantasy, wherever it is, I mean, it's like, it's, you know, it's a black dude having sex with a white woman or a very light skinned black woman. You know, that's what the, the illustrated image is. Um, you know, I have not known of him to date a black woman that matches his complexion. You know, mm-hmm. Amber Rose was lighter than him, and which. Amber Rose is a wonderful human being. Like she can't control her melanin count. Um, and you know, that song on, um, yeah, my twisted dark fantasy, like one hell of a life or like it's, or mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're like, it's doing very clever raps about like mm-hmm. having sex with white strippers and like white strippers not wanting to do like lap dances for black men. It's like there, there there's a certain, um, I think that he has a certain intoxication with a lot of elements of white culture and with a lot of white women. And I feel comfortable saying that because I've gone through that myself. I, you know, I dated way more white women than I dated black women, partially because of how I grew up, partially because of how I was socialized. Part of it just being the, the like environment. the environment and and Euro Eurocentric beauty standards sort of being the like fruit that is dangled before you. So yeah. so I mean, maybe I'm projecting onto him, but I don't think I am. So like, I'm not even being like shame on you. So I just say all of that to say that like. And so I think that his sort of like flirtation with like the Trump world is it comes from the same energy. Another way to fit in. Another way to fit in. And okay. well, yeah. well and, yeah. and and maybe even be like another way to sort of like stick his finger up, not at black society, but he he's been very overt in being like, don't don't box me in as a rapper. I'm going to sample Coldplay. I'm going to yeah. be influenced by Peter Gabriel. I'm going to be influenced by freaking the white stripes don't tell me as a black artist i have to only sample freaking earth wind and fire or donny hathaway right and he's making songs about like lusting after white women and white strippers and like white strippers who don't want to be around black dudes and people liked that right so i'm sort of like so why is the why is the trump stuff a problem I think the answer is that like a lot of black dudes that liked his stuff lust after white women as well or lust after light-skinned black women. So they like that stuff. That's mm. just my personal take. Yeah. No, I, I think Sorry, there's... sorry for the con- if if I <laughs> I do like, you know, six or seven rants a show. So that, that's my <laughs> Kanye rant. No, yeah, I think Kanye is just unapologetically 
Kanye. Yeah. Whenever he wants to be on his own time, the way he does it. Yeah. It's just, that's just how it is. He's, I think a lot of people that hate on Kanye, there, there might actually be like a piece of them consciously and maybe even subconsciously that wants to be that. Oh, absolutely. Just wants to be the guy that's yeah. brash, that can say whatever he yes. wants when he wants and change his mind later. Like, yes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's, 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 that's the level of freedom yes. that I feel like Kanye in some ways is kind of talking about me yeah. or is trying to, but it just doesn't come off that same way. Sure. It's like, no, like I'm, I'm free. Like I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a real free man. Like yeah. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm talking what I want to talk about. I'm, you know, rapping mm-hmm. or singing about yep. what I'm, I'm yep. singing about because I want to. Yeah. And That's people it. will still buy his records. They'll still stream them. They'll still watch him on Saturday Night Live. That. And he knows that. <laughs> he knows that. And and that that's the thing that I and that's a level of unbotheredness yeah. that that literally in some ways, like especially knowing like how I grew up and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you kind of envy. Yes. Because if I had that level, I would be a completely different person sure. or at least a, 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 a more sped up yeah. version of I guess of myself now than I was back then. Sure. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I see, I see him. I see what he's like trying to, mm-hmm. do. I see what he's trying to yeah. do. So, um, all right. So how did, how did you end up on Creed two? So that happened. So I, I had, so they had extra roles mm-hmm. and then they also had like featured extra roles. Gotcha. So what happened was I had just applied to be or submitted to be a just regular extra. And how how did you learn about the extra role? Uh, I was told by my friend that's in the film. Gotcha. So, and this and like and this friend like has an agent and is like doing, yeah yeah is so, like you know really doing the oh he the was work. Bo- he was yeah. booked for the film a year before gotcha, filming. Gotcha. Um. So he told me about it. He told me exactly where to go, and I guess who to contact and stuff like that. It was like through some like Facebook page. So I did that. And and that and that was really the first acting work you had done since the sixth grade show but but bob bobby socks and bow ties or um, whatever. it was actually not i i had done now i, I hadn't done a speaking role up until this point mm-hmm. like a like a real one i had been uh, like an extra in like a film that i actually had worked on as like okay. a production assistant independent film uh in philly uh i'd say about mm, Six months prior to that. Okay. What's that film called? Oh, God. Was it ever, like, made? Like, is it, like, available? On no, a... it was made, but it's been a while. Gotcha. Um, the director was Sky uh, Dennis. Um, I have no idea he's... who that is. Should I know who that is? Um, he's he's local in the okay. Philly area. Okay. He's now in California, but uh, he's also a director, and I think he did a little bit of acting as well. And his name is Sky Dennis? Uh, yes, yes. Sky, Sky come, come back, come back to, uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. Don't, don't go to, don't stay in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's out in LA right now, I believe. So, and so then, so, uh, so you were just working on that, like as a production person and then, and then yeah, you, you, through, it was through an internship that I okay. had at, at school for uh, Megabuck Entertainment, which, uh, was located in, uh, Brookhaven at okay. the time. So, uh, you know that was part of the internship. It was a it was a audio engineering and marketing internship. So I was there, you know, doing like you know sound yeah, and yeah. knowing all the angles and stuff like that, and just kind of learning while kind of like 
being on the job, sort of. So, but then they asked, like, oh, you want to be in, like, this last scene or something like that? And I was like, sure. Yeah, it was so like, All I did do not? was just okay. stand, and I, I think I just had to, like, console someone. It was a funeral scene. Okay. We actually saw it, shot it in Westchester okay. off of uh, Westchester Pike. Um, so I was like, that was pretty cool. I mean, it's, you know, it's nothing much. It's just yeah. like regular, just, you know, just stand in there kind of scene. So I was, you know. But um, then I did Creed in... Gosh, I think it was the spring. Yeah, it was spring 2017. And so, and so for doing Creed 2, was it at this point, were you thinking, oh, acting seems kind of interesting and like I might want to do it and like how can I get in? Or were you just like super bored? Or so, like, was, did, did you and your friend make a blood pact where you were like, if. If anyone suggests anything to anyone, you have to do it, you know. And so you're just like, oh no, I like I told him I would do anything, so I got to do this thing. Yeah. So it was actually kind of just for fun. Okay. Yeah. So like, why not? like they weren't paying for sure. for this extra roles, just because they you know just bring in I don't know how many people, at least like fifty people, just to be like um, in this scene where you know you're just watching her perform and. You have to do certain types of motions that they ask you to do and things like that. But, yeah. Um, that's what I went for. Okay. But then I get there and someone asked me, wait, can I actually use you for something else? Aye, all right. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was just like, okay, what? So they're asking, we want you to be, because there's only five of us. We, she was like, we want you to be uh, one of the security officers for the Fillmore scene because that's where we film. Gotcha. So we were getting... Uh, suited up and stuff at punchline philly they have like a like, bunch of like rooms where you can change mm -hmm. and stuff so when we weren't filming we were over there and she was like yeah we're, we're gonna use you as a, like a security guard so like i it was me and like you know i'm fairly built yeah like a little over 511 185 190 but like these guys that i was mm -hmm. in the scene with mm -hmm. were like six yeah. four six yeah. five um <laughs> at least pushing 280 yeah. to 300. So I was like, all right, I mean, I could do this. I yeah. mean, you know, so they gave me a uh, shirt, but it was an XL. Awesome. So I was a security guard that I had my sleeves yeah. all the way rolled yeah. up. So to kind of distinguish myself, I guess a little bit. So, you know, it was, it was so cool. Cause like out of all those people, they were like, Oh, we're going to use this. And they, they paid me for it as, yeah. as well. Um, two days, um, and I was just like, wow, like this is, this is sick. Uh, met Michael B. Jordan. Nice. Um, I said hello to Tessa Thompson. Okay. Um, but you know, obviously met Stephen Cable, met, met, um, the guy who played Drago. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did, I never saw Sylvester Stallone. Okay. Never yeah. saw him once. Um, I guess I just, not the right day. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. But, but just everything it was, it wasn't just like the, the acting itself, and you know my role it was just like just being there seeing all the cameras yeah seeing all the, the crew so many people um setup lighting everything just redoing scenes yeah redoing them for like two hours just like four scenes or three scenes it, it's it was one of the best experiences in my life and i was like wow like this could be something like this could end up being something more for me maybe if i pursue it hard enough okay. so i was like at that point that was like i'm gonna take this a little more seriously uh, and see what i can do yeah so um uh, yeah that was the, like the moment where it was like 
let's see how far I can take this. So, and that was actually after, Creed was after the uh, audit that I did at the studio in New York. So the combination of those things was like, I might as well just start doing this. And so, so what, what motivated you to, to do the audit in New York? Like, was it? Uh, one of my friends was going, I had had, I had flirted with the idea of just acting in general. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, you know, you have people that tell you, you know, oh, you should think about doing modeling or something like that. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, I know acting is, well, I think that it's interchangeable. Sometimes acting can lead to modeling or sure. modeling can yeah. lead to acting. So, you know, when my friend was an actor. He's like, you should come. I was like, okay. So we took the two hour drive to, uh, well, actually to Northern Jersey, then took the train into, uh, what was it? 30th or no no um uh, it's by uh, Times square yeah it's either um, penn station penn or station or union station yeah i don't know i don't know yeah new york yeah <laughs> and no disrespect new yorkers yeah. my parents lived in manhattan for a couple of years and my mom is from north jersey but i'm a philly dude yeah yeah so we we walked um i don't even know how long we walked i was i was pretty nervous this small studio everything in new york is like yeah, yeah tiny. tiny when yeah. you go in but man, like I, I left with a lot. I left with a lot. And, you know, I, I was like, you know, a combination of that. And then Creed was like, this is, um, this is really cool. Yeah. This is, this is something I feel like I, I was feeling, this is something I feel like I, I like that I can do that can earn me money mm -hmm. that gives me no stress whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's important for people to do sometimes is find something, whether it makes you money or not, mm -hmm. that gives you no stress yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah, it makes you happy. Work. It's not yeah. work. Like, I, I read a quote recently where I kind of agree, kind of don't agree, because there's, there's different levels to it. But if what you're doing gives you stress or something along the lines, basically, like, um, if you're doing what you love or basically like if you're doing your, your passion, it won't give you stress. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I agree with that to an extent. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I, I mean, you know, not to say that like everything else I'm doing is just stressful sure. and like, I don't like it, but it's, it's nice to find something that's like work. That's a release. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's one of the things that I get from this podcast. Exactly. It's like, you know, I take it seriously. You know, I mean, it's really not that labor intensive. I mean, the most work is emailing people and then like, you know, sort of writing the descriptions of like, oh, you know, Brian talked about this thing, but it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get time to like ask people questions, engage in conversations that I would want to do anyways. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's, exactly. it's a winner. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so we got like 12 minutes left because you're, uh, you're, you know, your, your person's going to be picking you up. So this is kind of good because sometimes I can do these interviews for like two and a half or three hours. So this is going to force me <laughs> to focus in a bit. Um, so, uh, so if you can answer like really quickly, like in 30 seconds, so what type of, acting work would you like to do moving forward? Like, do you want to be on sitcoms? Do you want to be in movies? Do you want to be like, uh, you know, like a Tom Cruise action star? Are you trying to be <laughs> like, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, Adam Driver doing like serious movies, talkies? Or do you want to yeah. be Adam Driver as Kylo Ren? <laughs> you know? So like, I consider myself kind of multi-faceted uh, mm -hmm. in terms of what I think I can do. 
I prefer something more serious only because I feel like um, at, at heart, I feel like I'm more of like a more mono, monotone type of guy, but I feel like I can do anything, honestly. Um, that, as long as I'm on a set doing something that, you know, I love doing, which is acting, I, I just feel like I can do anything. Okay. I can do anything. Sitcoms, yeah. you know, that that would be awesome. Um, I'm I'm not a, f- a fan of plays. Okay. Personally, sure. Um, you and ninety eight percent of the other yeah, country, the, yeah. the three percent of people that love plays really love plays. Yeah. yeah. Oh, most, oh most I love watching plays. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I love watching plays yeah. anymore. And I uh, I really? did plays in college. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. It it's uh. Um. Yeah. I I I like the. I this may sound weird, but I think that like the I like the sort of like uh the the repeated intimacy of movies mm-hmm. plays feel like a lot of pressure to me yeah. plays feel like drinking wine whereas mm-hmm. movies and tv shows feel like drinking beer yeah it's the best way yeah to yeah describe it. uh, it's it's obviously it's all scripted yeah and stuff but there's something about plays that's like there's emotion involved and stuff like that but it's like it's just very like orderly uh just like you know this has happened probably like a bunch of times right right uh like you know obviously there's pressure involved there's a i, I will say it does take a lot of skill though to be able to like do that live yeah yeah it's 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 a completely other skill set of acting because yeah. i mean i've I, in some ways it's another level I mean, oh it like, is it is it is Theater is really the actor's medium. Film is the director's medium. Right. Um, I've, I, the, you know, I mean, I haven't acted in 15 years. I really, I did a couple of like indie or like, you know, three lines in a couple of indie films. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of my experience is doing theater acting. And even when people describe like acting on a film set, it just sounds like, I'm like, ah, that sound, it's just, it's such a different world. Um, yeah. All right. So like, do you have any, uh, just like particular films that like you really dig, you know, I mean, before, you know, uh, before we started recording, we got into a, a very substantial in-depth conversation as to the various Star Wars films and yeah. the prequels, the sequels, the the good, the bad, the ugly, yeah. all of that. I mean, so are you like a big sci-fi guy or like, I mean, do you love, uh, you know, mumblecore serious films or so anything I'm, by Christopher Nolan. What, what's your, what? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I can do Christopher Nolan. Um, he, yeah, he did Inception. Yeah. So, yeah, and, know, and the, the Dark, dark Knight, Knight obviously. Yeah. Um, I like that. I like darker films like that, nice. especially for like Batman. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's great for me. No other Batman. Honestly, it's up there with any superhero series or uh, mm-hmm. tr- trilogy yeah. in general. Absolutely. It could be the, best one of all time yeah like, I, I just the i mean obviously you throw the joker in there in the second one yeah Heath ledger's performance yeah was just untouchable yes untouchable and i mean you know i mean you know tom hardy did a great job as bane as mm-hmm. well um i think you know movies like that darker films um suspenseful films obviously are, are good sci-fi films i'm very big on Star Wars is like my life, so yeah. um, nothing will ever top that for me. What's your favorite of the original trilogy? The original, four, five, and six? Yeah. <sighs> Probably five. Empire yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Is, yeah. It, it sounds like the easy choice, but it's it's just a great film. It's a great film. Just the story, 
the 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 um the build up of in terms of like the character build up for Luke and you know you have Yoda um, brings in Yoda um you know the battle of Hoth I mean yeah. it's just so many classic movie moments mm-hmm. obviously you know Darth Vader and Luke and yeah. you know you know how how that ended but um that's got to be the number 1 I mean for a new hope was great yeah it was you know it was one of those films it, it's so historic mm-hmm. just for when it came out what it meant um what the bar it set yes. for everything we yeah. see today uh, there, there wouldn't be an Avengers without Star absolutely. Wars. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, I, in term, out of respect, A New Hope is second, and then Return of the Jedi would probably be gotcha. Last. Um, still a great film. Um, but to be honest, my favorite film, Star Wars film, is mm-hmm. Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith. Really? Yes. Huh. huh. I've, I've probably watched that film two hundred times. Well, okay. All right. So. So, yeah, I, I rarely, you know, I try not to be one of those people who, like, has super strong opinions about movies because, like, I find that stuff kind of annoying. Although when Naomi and I were watching Return of the Jedi, yeah, so Return of the, they're doing the whole Star Wars marathon on TNT right now. Right, right. Return of the Jedi was on this morning before Rogue One came on. And Naomi doesn't really care about the Star Wars movies. Like she, in the world of sci-fi fantasy, she likes fantasy. Science fiction, not so Mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. So I made a joke about like, I'm like, oh, it's a shame. And she goes, why is that? I said, I'm like, oh, well, you're seeing the like altered uh, original trilogy movies that George Lucas has tinkered with and like the extra scenes and like, you know, they Photoshop Hayden Christensen as Anakin as the Force Ghost and not like original old. Yeah, 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 Sebastian Shaw. Shaw, So I... When we were talking earlier upstairs, your level of like Star Wars geekdom was like I was I was thoroughly impressed by because so many people that I talk to are not and I'm not like the I, I'm a pretty big Star Wars fan. Like yeah. I mean I'm not gonna like go onto like message boards every day and like you know talk about like oh and this thing and the blah 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 blah. Right, right. Um, but like the, that was the first movie series that like I really loved, and I haven't met a lot of my friends who even like love it who like know as much as I do. So when we were talking upstairs, I was like, oh, I'm like, oh, like he he knows a fair amount. Yeah. And well, I, it, I I idolize George Lucas. Okay, he's like we were talking about like, just in terms of story. Yeah. He can't top that. Yeah, like it's, and he he had so much content beyond mm-hmm. any of these films mm-hmm. that we've seen, like for books and yeah. all these other things. I mean, the guy, he got it. Yes. He got it. But the the fact that you know Sebastian Shaw's name, yeah, because <laughs> I feel like that only seven other people on planet Earth know yeah. that. Great so, actor though, by the yeah. way. He, he's been in other stuff. But yeah, I've I've wanted to see some. I I read his Wikipedia page mm. one day. Um, but yeah, so so I was like, oh, it's a shame that like you saw the altered stuff because you, yeah. you know, and you can't. He won't release. You know, it's so like yeah, it's a, it's a shame. But um, yeah, I, I was rewatching. Yeah, and we've we've only got like four minutes left. But so I was watching Revenge of the Sith last night because they were doing the marathon mm. and the the. Some of the lines are so oh, bad. Yeah, to like, yeah. this is how democracy dies with thunderous applause. <laughs> and uh, what were some of the other ones? Like, you know, when it's like, you, you know, you will and, not take her from me. Yeah, yeah you will not take <laughs> liar. And that that that's where, the thing. George so Lucas. For, for me, I think Rogue One is one of the best ones yeah, ever. Like, good. I yeah. I I love. 
I, I would say Empire Strikes Back is my favorite, then Rogue One, and just like the the scr- the script writing, even in uh freaking uh, uh Last Jedi and Force Awakens, uh, Force Awakens yeah. the script writing is so much better. Like yeah. the a lot of the script writing, even in Revenge of the Sith, I was like, dude. Lucas, these lines, you're killing me, bro. Well, what happened was Hayden Christensen went to George Lucas, I think after two, when he read the script for three, or it was before two. And he was like, I got to get a new script. Awesome. I need need this altered. And George was like, nope, nope. Like basically like my way or the highway. Uh, That's the one thing about George that I'll, I'll always give him flack for. Yeah. They were great films, but the script could have been a lot better. Yeah. It almost felt like a play. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. It almost felt like a play. But I'll give Hayden Christensen, I'll back him up on that. He did go to George Lucas to ask for a new script, which, you know, he didn't, and it kind of ruined his career. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's my favorite film, but more so for just the story. Like, sure, it was yeah. just It was so theatric. Yes. And yes. just action-packed. That was the most action, I mean, we'll ever get in a Star Wars film. Yeah. Lightsaber battles, everything, intense. Like, it's not like... You know, like just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. toothpick fighting. Yes, yes. Like, like it's intense, like swordsmanship, if that's a word. Yeah, yeah I think it's a word. <laughs> it's, um, it just has everything. And it's, it's, um, it's sad. It's emotional. Sure. Right? I mean, you, you get everything. You have the highs, like in the beginning, mm-hmm. but then you see the steady right. decline, the fall of the Jedi and everything like that. It, it's very, um, theatrical and i just love that i love i love i love a movie sometimes with like a very sad ending yeah with with an emotional ending. yeah yeah i think that's what kind of taps into you like watching that it's like wow like that you know it almost makes you kind of forget the script a little bit Mm. you're like wow Mm -hmm. like that was that was pretty deep Mm. okay all right yeah i i don't know if i can change my mind yeah on it yeah because i i think it's really just like the yeah the overall arc of of what it does I really liked you know mm-hmm. and and I I liked the the ridiculous um, amounts of emotion that were in Revenge of the Sith sure. because I loved how like really from the beginning it's a battle like you know it's an epic battle mm-hmm. and ultimately. If it was in the hands of a better scriptwriter, I think it could have been a much better oh, film. It, it, it would be for more people the best film. Absolutely, in my opinion. it would. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. If if you brought on one of the directors from like Empire Strikes Back or something, yeah. that that goes down as top two. Yeah, at least absolutely. And I mean, and it reminds me of because for me, um, I've I've really been a fan of of all of the Marvel movies and. As I've said, you know, for the seven people that listen to this podcast, um, I didn't really read comic books as a kid. So I didn't know anything about Captain America or Iron Man. I learned about Black Panther Black Panther from my nephew when he was like 13. Like mm. he came to visit me and that was the comic book that he had. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Um, but like so the so Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, I just think are amazing epic movies where it's like action, human drama, and so I feel like Revenge of the Sith could have had that Avengers Infinity War Endgame oh, yeah. feel yeah. if it had 
better script writing because because when it when it when the the scenes with Padme and Anakin and Obi Wan and Padme and Obi Wan and Anakin right. just really suffered from not that good script writing except yeah. for the only part that I was really like oh this is really good script I don't I don't know if it was good script writing but dude who plays Ian, you know Ian McDermott or however you pronounce oh, his McDermott, name yeah yeah um he's just such a good actor but the whole the when they're at the sort of the opera yeah the opera he's yeah talking about Darth Plagueis yeah, yeah yeah and and because and I was I was explaining it to Naomi because I think sometimes she just does this to humor me just to be like okay talk about something you want to talk about so she asked a lot of questions about like you know Star Wars movies so um so w- I, I was taught I was explaining the midichlorians to her and just like my feelings about like we never heard anything about midichlorians in four five and six right and then it's like this immaculate conception that like what like what are you talking about right. so so I so I was just like yo so I don't know if George Lucas just read the fan mail and people were like yo stop with this midichlorians nonsense you're pissing us off don't tell us about Anakin's midichlorian count but like <laughs> that whole monologue about Darth Plagueis I was like yo that's a really that's a cool monologue and it's like and it it at least makes the midichlorians like palatable and yeah yeah, it makes it credible and what i had heard was that so there's a very famous playwright named tom stoppard who's known in the theater circles as like i mean he's i've read several of his plays and he's really known as the great intellectual playwright so he takes these very amazing high concepts and is able to put them into compelling drama so some of the stuff that I had read was that Lucas had hired this guy, Tom Stoppard, to help write some of the parts, uh, like some of the dialogue mm-hmm. in Revenge of the Sith. So when I was watching it, I was certain, I, I was watching that scene and I was like, this is so well written and so intelligently explained. I'm like, I don't know if George Lucas had written this, so I don't know. But like, <laughs> it yeah. It could be true. So so like that scene, I was like, yo, that's good. But I also just feel like, yeah, Ian McDermott is just such an amazing he is actor, actor that he could take anything. Yeah. And like, no no shade to like Natalie Portman, but like, you're not as good as him. So yeah. the dialogue, it just, it, it didn't do it for me. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, if anything, the three people that saved that series or that film were Ian McDermott, Samuel L. Jackson. Really? I feel like you're going to get a lot of people disagreeing with you I think, on I that. Think he played... It was like... I I feel like if you're making I think he a was science a, fiction movie, yeah. it doesn't work. It's like, yo, you... you you sound like a black dude from around the way. Like <laughs> you didn't grow up on Coruscant. Oh, and and yeah, and that's right. not me like shaming black people's <laughs> language and vernacular. So I don't want to. If I'm gonna get hate mail over something, I don't want to get hate mail on that because I would feel the same way. Like if so, like if Hayden Christensen had uh, like a thick like Appalachian accent, I'd be like, mm, what are you doing? <laughs> right. The only exception I make in the Star Wars universe is that all you know. I accept all of the British accents because I feel like all of the, you know, all of the old actors, it's like he just, he plucked all the best Shakespearean actors. Right, right. So I, so I'm going to do Lee, that. Yeah. yeah. Christopher Lee, Ian McDermott. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 Alec Guinness. Um, right. You know, and, and Ben Mendelsohn's very uh, blue collar Australian accent in Rogue <laughs> One, I will accept because of how he talked about how like he thought that 
Orson Krennic was sort of like part of the working class in Coruscant, and so he's trying to like work his way up into the elite class. So he very intentionally didn't want to do a posh British accent. Right. So I'm like, you explain that very well. With Sam Jackson, I just feel like you can't not talk like a dude from Central <laughs> Tennessee. I don't know if that works on Coruscant, but yeah. I don't. Um, maybe that's like the the you know the colonization mindset. That's right, been embedded right. in me, but it you know justified in me Sam Jackson's. Well, I mean, in terms Sam of Jackson. the story, he was kind of like the only one who like you weren't getting past him. Like in terms, sure. of, he always had suspicions of yes. things going on. Yes, he did. When, when the whole council was just kind of yeah, like, Bleh. yeah. Well, yeah, he's the chosen one. Why not? Yeah, right. And but he's, he's like, he's, mm. he's just like, all right, not so fast. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. And he comes to find out, like, he was right the whole time, basically. Didn't save his life, though. I it mean, didn't. You know. It didn't. Well, I mean, George Lucas did say. Yeah. So, unless you see them, like, like visually, like, if you see them die. Right. Then, if you don't see them, that happen, oh, they, they could be okay, alive. okay, they could be alive. So, yeah, yeah. So, he said, don't count it out. But gotcha. I think we're so past that movie now right. that, you know, we're not going to see anything come of it. Yeah. Maybe we'll get, like, a book later or something. Okay. But, yeah. But quick I question. He, yeah. So it's so it's two thirty six now. Do you think I can keep you till two forty? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, we're 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 on a good roll with our our Star Wars. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Can okay. always yeah. talk about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As you were saying. Yeah. Um. No. But uh, I think Ewan McGregor. I think for what he was given, also I think he did it. Yeah. Absolutely. Job. Absolutely. I think, he, I think he. And seeing his transformation mm-hmm. from Phantom Menace yeah. to Attack of the Clones, his growth and yes. stuff, just as a character. Um was i think pretty pretty stellar in terms yeah. of his, his uh, performance um so you know those three uh obviously you know frank guys playing yoda i mean you know you can't really like hate on that no but, you can't uh, or can't. or anthony daniels um or kenny baker they they did their thing but you know i mean it is what it is brian the, allen doing some serious name dropping here oh, with yeah. the uh with the um <laughs> Star Wars characters. Oh yeah. Okay, so who who was the actor that actually was in the Darth Vader suit? In the Do Darth you know, Vader suit. Yeah. In in the in episodes four, five, and six. Do you know that actor's oh, name? Uh, if if you can name, if you can do this, my dad will be very happy with you. Gosh, um, I know his name because he he was actually like a fenceman. I think mm-hmm. he did fencing. Um, yeah, and and he was a bodybuilder too. It's not David. Yeah, his first name is, is David. Oh, okay, so then it's oh, David. Uh, Starts with a P. Oh my gosh! Um, it's on the tip of my tongue. Pillard. It's one syllable. Um, David Poe. No, David. you're kind. You're getting closer. David. Uh, P- Pog Pond. Um, no. Wow, it's been a while. David Prouse. Prouse. Yes. Yeah. I almost Prouse. said Pratt. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah, it's a, a Chris but Pratt's he, long Does he spell uncle. it P-R-A-U-S-S? No, P-R-O-W-S-E. Okay. Now I remember. Just from, like, the credits and stuff. Yeah. Like, you kind of get that visual. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and he, and yeah, 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 and I think, uh, yeah, he did like fencing or some type of martial arts, and he, yep. yeah, he was a bodybuilder, and I think that was the reason that Lucas hired him is because like they needed someone who could just stand around in the suit for hours and hours and right, not like right. wither away. But yeah, but he he has a very sort of like, you know, high pitched stereotypical 
British accent, like, hey, blimey. So, like, and they've, they've even, <laughs> if you ever watch any of the documentaries, because he, he learned all the dialogue and spoke it before James Earl Jones, uh, like, overdubbed it, you know. And so, oh, okay. so, so he can do the motions. Yeah. Like his so, hands. Absolutely. That's very, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so there, so there's a clip of him in the, like, the first scene when they capture Princess Leia in A New Hope, and, he, and he's like, you are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. <laughs> um, and then also, yeah, you know, uh, Peter Mayhew, who played uh, Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Yeah. Yeah, like who um, recently passed away. Who, yeah, passed away. Uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, and I um because yeah, I think this was when like the Phantom Menace was coming out. Yes, yeah, this was when I was still in college, but I was watching a documentary on like the making of the original Star Wars. Yeah, and then they showed a clip of of like the scenes where Chewbacca's talking and Peter Mayhew did like actual dialogue, and so oh, cool. yeah, and so the the only part I've seen is when um. When they're in the Death Star in Episode Four, and Obi Wan is like, "Oh, I'm gonna go out and turn off the tractor beam." So when Chewbacca's like, rrr, rrr, and Han's like, "I know Chewie, but he might know what he's doing or whatever." Yeah, like Peter Mayhew said something like, "That old man is blarmy." So yeah, like they wrote dialogue for Chewbacca, and so I thought that was, I thought that was funny. That's awesome. That's so cool. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure. Did. Yeah, I'm sure if it, some. Oh, I don't know. George Lucas is so like. <laughs> particular he might have been like no documentaries can be on youtube without yeah. my hand on it right. so um all right well like we only have like one or two minutes left so i got a couple of quick questions about george lucas sure so are you is it mainly just like the star wars stuff that you like about george lucas or have you watched american graffiti and like thx 1138 like his other films that aren't star wars that kind of no one so, else pretends like, like they don't right. exist so for me um my uh love for George Lucas is more so just his level of creativity for Star Wars. Gotcha. It's not just stars, but the level of creativity that goes into it. Yeah. Because I just feel like he is someone that of a lot of people in this world, but honestly, I could say it probably less than you might think that use like just a level of their brain to use their creativity to just create something extraordinary. Yeah. That's just like it. You, 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 the amount of people that have done the kind of level of work that he's done, um, and just in terms of his storytelling and his, you know, Stan Lee's like kind of in that similar yeah, yeah. category, mm -hmm. and um, like creating a universe that people yeah inhabit and like that it, it's sort of takes on a life of its own right right because I feel like in a way like we all kind of want to have our own uh, universe mm -hmm. of imagination yeah. that we can live in and uh, uh, affiliate with and uh, something that can resonate with us so why do you think that resonates so much with you because I feel like growing up especially I wish I could live in a world where kind of like those things, those mm -hmm. insecurities we we're talking about where I could create everything my way yeah, and write the story my own way and just have it be this perfect place the way I wish it could be. Yeah. So it's kind of like that was like a microcosm of how I was feeling sort of. It was, it was this, this place where uh, if I wanted to not feel judged on how I talked or something like that, I could do that. Mm -hmm. It's just like this, this, this this thing it's also the sci-fi part obviously. yeah yeah like you know i wish i could wield a lightsaber yeah. and you know fight for the rebel alliance or yeah. something like that but it's just being able to like literally just be in control of the world you want to project out into the world for everyone else to see yeah it's just having that power 
to, to do that kind of thing. So in a way, I kind of that, uh, you know, resonated with me because I wish that I could do that. So Star Wars was like a good release. It was a good story that I could get lost in and daydream about mm-hmm. and, and be in if I wanted to in my, in my head and the story that I created for it. Yeah. So it's it's, it's more than just the movies mm-hmm. and, and just how spectacular they are. It's It's also what it means to me in terms of, you know, just who and what I want to be. Yeah. You know, and what it represents. In a perfect world. Yeah, absolutely. It's his perfect world. Yeah. And I can create my own perfect world in my mind using that as a template. Sort of. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Um, well, Brian, thank you so much for this interview. That's been great. It's it's great to reconnect with you and absolutely. see you after many months. This was a wonderful conversation. Definitely. I thoroughly uh, enjoyed it. Me as well. Um, are the uh, so what are the various uh, like ways that people can um, see your work, like in social media or like names of different films and projects you've been on? Yeah, how how can people find you to check out your work? Oh, well, that's also one thing I need to get a lot better at is putting myself out sure. more on social media, yeah. which I am getting better at. Do you have like an Instagram um, thing for your modeling yeah, stuff? Um, I, I don't know anything about modeling. Or do, you, do you have an Instagram page in general just where you do yeah, stuff? Yeah, yo, I have an Instagram page. What, what's your um, Instagram? Is it a handle? I, I've never yeah, used Instagram, so I don't... <laughs> it's a handle, yeah. It's uh, What's this hashtag the kids are <laughs> talking about? <laughs> it's, uh, it's Brian, B-R-Y-A-N underscore M-C-K-O-Y underscore and that's my username um i am getting better at posting more okay um, i usually i like posting a lot of stories okay um but um i'm actually i plan on posting a lot more especially once i get my car back nice so um i'm actually getting it ready for the philly auto show oh that's I'm cool be in the uh, the dub show so i have uh, i don't know anything about car culture yeah much to the chagrin of my two older brothers yeah so it's like the auto shows upstairs but the dub show is where like it's a lot of cars you'd see in like Fast and the Furious. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's and cool. Sometimes you have like I know a little Uzi. He's a rapper. He yeah, yeah. Has his cars there. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, so I'm super excited for that, and I'll probably start posting more photos like with that. And nice. Maybe, you know, get a get a a, a a Instagram handle for my car eventually, or something. yeah, do Cause, it because that's another platform. That's another like uh, uh, social media thing, like car Instagram. It's like a big kind of thing. People Man. post their cars and stuff. Car so. Instagram. I had no idea. Yeah. And people can see you in Creed 2 with your uh, shirt sleeves rolled up. Right. So like like the are, only, like the I mean, sad part can you like that, actually see your face or is it like where you edit it out or like you only see I, your I elbow? Think, I, I yeah, I you can barely I think they they must have they didn't I don't think they cut it out. Right. But the cameras there was cameras literally on me. Yeah. But I don't think they they, 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 they must have yeah, edited they used a different angle. Out. Yeah, they didn't. So I was a little bummed about that, but you know, it was fun time. Still got paid. Okay. Had a great time. So watch Creed two, and then just imagine. Right. So George Lucas, if you are listening, please use your CGI movie editing powers for good and stop ruining our childhoods. Like no shade, George. I mean, you know, you can do what you want. It's yours. You own it. And I know you don't know me, but like. You know, you, you you tinkered with the movies. It it hurt a lot of us. Our feelings were hurt. So if you can buy the rights to Creed two somehow, right. I feel like you have a <laughs> sell off an acre of Skywalker Ranch and then edit 
Brian into Creed 2 so we can see his face. That would be much appreciated. If you can do that, yeah. that will be the greatest <laughs> thing ever. And whoever is spreading lies about Sylvester Stallone directing Creed 2, you're spreading misinformation, <laughs> sir. How dare you? Um, <laughs> finally, if there is uh, any uh, sort of um, words of advice that you have for... Uh, for the young people out there that might be listening to this, you know, particularly for the black youth, mm -hmm. um, you know, which can uh, clearly represent a diverse cross section of young people. Um, but yeah, if there was anything you wanted to say to them, what would you say? So one thing I'd definitely start off with that I'm learning as a as I get older is that this world was made for you. It's. Everyone has some type of unique ability, skill that sometimes might have to be developed that they can offer. And I think in everyone, there's something. So, you know, what I mean is that don't feel pressured to be put into a box based on what you've heard, what you see. If you feel something and you feel something is meant for you, you have to follow that. Because at the end of the day, what you follow, what the energy that you bring into your life is what you're going to get out. So I believe that's also the path to so-called happiness, where you are content, you're, you're at peace, um, you're at a level of just kind of um, self-awareness that I think uh, we're all kind of reaching to get towards. So, you know, I mean, this could be in your profession. This could just be for something you do for fun. You need to just find things in your life that you want to do that make you happy um, and try to not give in to, especially in this social media age, to give in to um, the outside noise or, you know, uh, giving in to people saying certain things about, it's maybe something you can affiliate with and, you know, you think negatively of it, maybe because like someone says, oh, this isn't, you know, right. Or like you should be looking towards doing this. But, you know, just stay true to yourself and that inner voice in your your mind, your heart that leads you to the positive energy in your life. Just try to do everything to um, draw yourself to being more positive and um, basically you know, leading yourself to that, I guess, level of self-awareness, self-love, self-care that we're all just trying to reach. So if that makes any sense, basically just um, make sure that you stay true to who you know you are. That's all I can really say. Um, because it's only your life and no one's going to live it for you, so... That's pretty much what I have to say. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, folks, uh, that wraps up another uh, episode of the Punk Rock Barbershop, the most engaging podcast the internet has ever created. Uh, yep, yeah, we've been coming to you from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, also known as Marion Anderson City. I wish you all a, a wonderful day or night. And as always, um, you know... Uh, Stay true to yourself, understand your story, understand your purpose, understand your truth, live your life, live your story, live your truth, live your purpose. Have a wonderful day.